From their shrouded temples in deepest Olgu, the Daughters of Cain launch assaults across the mortal realms, relentlessly hunting the hated worshippers of Chaos and any others who would threaten their burgeoning shadow empire. They open the throats and carve out the hearts of their victims in the name of the God of Murder, reborn at last in the form of the goddess Marathi Cain. After countless centuries of plotting and strife, the cunning sorceress Marathi has achieved her ultimate desire, the power of a true deity. No longer Cain's high oracle, she claims to have absorbed the lingering essence of the god himself. This revelation has only furthered her already immense power, and it has driven the Cainite cult into a frenzy of conquest and sacrifice. Even those who once called the Daughters of Cain allies are not safe from their reignited holy war. Like a whirlwind of pale flesh and razor-keen knives, these warrior elves sweep across the land, leaving carnage in their path. Cauldrons of blood are filled to the brim with the fresh gore of the slain as crimson-smeared hag queens lead their flock in frenzied worship of their bloody-handed mistress. Once hidden away from the world, the misshapen forms of Scathborn warriors, bat-winged Kinneri, and slithering Melisai are now let loose to indulge their cruel lust for slaughter. War calls, and the Daughters of Cain answer. Welcome to the garage, you tools, for the next two, three, however many hours it takes to yap about these half-elf, half-snake ladies. I'm going to do my best to keep you informed, entertained, and have a few laughs along the way. Bringing you murder, lies, and an unholy need for revenge, I'm David Witek, And with me, as always, in the beginning of the show here is... My good friend Lindsay, the uh, the Canadian albino hockey puck. Hi, Lindsay. It's nice to see you. Well, uh, daughters of Cain, we did Slanesh last time. Um, heads up, the show actually through the magic of uh, wiggly jiggly timey wimey space thing is uh, done. I'm doing the beginning at the end because that's the magic of editing, I suppose. Um, we're just doing lore today because there's so much to talk about and we had so much fun with it. And after a couple of two, two and a half hours, we just called it. So lore today, war to Molly. So um yeah, the next episode will be Daughters of Cain War, but we're talking lots and lots of lore about Marathi today. Uh, before we do that, though, I would very much like to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer. Those are, as you all know, if you've listened to the show ever before, it's Chaos Orc Superstore! Chaos Orc Superstore! Chaos Orc Superstore! Six squared studios for all your basing MDF needs. Also, lots of cool extra stuff, and now they've got 3D printers, and they've made some deals with some 3D uh, artists and they're uh, now, you know, you can order those things and, and get them sent out. There's a lot of cool stuff. You really need to check out the number six squared studios.ca. And of course, certainly not to forget Grognard games in Roselle, Illinois, because as you all know, there's always something happening at 
grognards. Uh, yeah, I was just there this weekend. Bought stuff because there's a lot of it. And now they're open, and they're now that now that Illinois is lifting the restrictions, like safely, not just saying forget restrictions, but now that the restrictions are, are loosening, there's people there gaming and stuff. It's really awesome again, so it makes me happy. Just telling you. I thought you'd like to know. Um, and also, don't forget the Patreon patrons. Those are the people who, through their donations uh, and their love of the show and their want of nothing but just to help out and support make this episode and in fact every episode that we do possible and that includes our associate producers Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie and Big Jake, our executive producers Colin Miller and Alex Graham and our newest patron, my friend Jason Tick. Um Jason actually has a podcast called Minority Reports where he talks a lot about TV and movies. It's fun. Uh Jason's a good guy. And uh Thank you, Jason, for uh, becoming the latest Patreon patron. Um, what else? Oh, a uh, voicemail. Um, I hadn't gotten a voicemail at the time I started recording this, so we don't have a voicemail right now. However, if you wanted to call the show and leave a voicemail, you can call 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's right, that's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. You can call and leave a voicemail. And then I play them on the air, most of them. And then they get on the air. And then you are on the show. And other people get to hear what you have to say. Um... Yeah, that's about it. So you know what? I'm just gonna call it here. Like, let's 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 have a let's take a quick break. I know we've just did, did all the introductions, but uh, my good friend Jay Crawford is gonna be on next. Lindsay is uh, heading out, and oh, that was the bell, Grognards. Um, and we're gonna talk about this amazing book, Daughters of Cain, with the great artwork and the um, and the and the fantastic story. Um, should probably really be called Daughters of Marathi, but you know she's got to hold do that whole pretend it's Cain thing. You know, like if you read this, you know. Um, yeah, there's so much cool stuff, and I'm gonna. I just want to take a quick break and get back because, um, yeah, we only took two over the next like two and a half hours. We don't even. We didn't even take enough breaks to do some readings because I wasn't even thinking about that because we got so wrapped up in the show and in the talking about it that we I'm like oh good gravy we've been talking for 45 minutes we probably need to take a break so um that's what we're going to do uh we're going to take a break right now we're going to come back and we are going to talk Daughters of Cain for the rest of the show just the lore and we are going into it full-on Garage Hammer style, which means I read it. I may not even understand it all, but I'm going to talk about it ad nauseum because it's super exciting and makes me want to build this army. Uh, all right, we'll be right back.
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back, back. And uh, now Lindsay has uh, Lindsay has headed off for uh, her break time. She is uh, taken off, and she says to say goodbye to everybody. And right now, I am going to bring in a longtime friend of the show, first time on the show, my good buddy, Jay Crawford. Jay, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks, man. This is great. I've been not only a friend of yours, but a fan of the show for so many years now. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, well, and and I've wanted to have you on for a while, so this is this is just fantastic. Now, um, you know we're friends. But why don't you let the let the uh, audience know who you are, what you do? I know you've got your own uh, your own social media channel that you run, and uh, so why don't you tell people about that and uh, and then what you love about Daughters of Cain, since that's what we're doing today. So uh, I run Metaslayers, which is a YouTube channel, Metaslayers.com. And I also run custom cut tokens, which makes acrylic tokens and stuff. Um, it's super fun. And yeah, let's just jump right into daughters. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, okay. And full disclosure for everybody, this show is late. And I know like last year, every show was late. And I'm like, no more late shows, not more than a day. And then we were doing this. And it's like a couple of scheduling errors. And then it's like, we're reading this and I'm like, Jay, do you want to do another show with me after this one? And you're like, yeah, what? I'm like, war? You're like, we're not doing it in one episode? I'm like, dude, there is so much in this book. It's bananas. Ugh. I've reread the first 10 pages probably 10 times. There is so... Okay, here. You know what? Let's let's start it off the way I've kind of been doing this. I'm going to give my, one, my quick paragraph, sort of talk about the theme and what to expect in this book if you guys haven't read it yet. Which, if you haven't read it yet... What are you doing? The book's been out almost a month, and uh, oh, jeez, I, I almost, I almost said I didn't read this one before Slanesh because as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, this is so just vicious in parts. Okay, this is a book with themes of just blood, murder, lies, deception, and revenge. It's, it's. I think this is literally one of the angriest battle tomes in the entire Age of Sigmar range. It is just angry. Okay, in a nutshell, if you haven't been following along on the show, if you haven't heard all the stuff from the Sunesh book, if you haven't heard the Marathi coverage, okay? I mean, she's been around since the world that was. I mean, she's been around since before I started playing this game back at the very end of 6th edition. She's been around forever as the Dark Elf Queen, or one of the queens of the Dark Elves. Uh, she's always been the person behind the power, although some people would say that she is more powerful than some of the people she was behind. Um... After being devoured by Slanesh during the destruction of the world that was, she suffered for who knows how many years, hundreds, thousands of years inside his belly until in her rage and anger, she finds a way to force him to vomit her up. 
She pulls herself out, and she is no longer the beautiful elf queen. She is a twisted, almost Medusa-ish looking monstrous thing. Um, she is now twisted and even more deranged before, if such a thing is possible. Now she's back, and the first thing she's doing is trying to reamass her power when she's not bemoaning the fact that she is scary looking. Um, one of the first magical things she manages to figure out how to do is to make herself look like her old self because the vanity is still there. Um, and this entire book, in fact, in fact, not just the book, the entire race, the Daughters of King, just revolves around Marathi. And if you want to talk about basically what this book is about in a sentence is Marathi's plan to make the entire mortal realms revolve around her as well. And I think that's, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's, if you're going to sum this book up, this is what we're going to be talking about all night. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that that's it in a nutshell, right? Yeah. A little bit of backstory. She was the mother of Malekith, who's now Malarian. Right. They hate each other. <laughs> yes, they do. They're, oh, they're the worst. Well, I mean, they have a feud that goes on since, the, like you said, the the time before time here. It's like 6,000, wasn't it? I mean, it was thousands of years in the world that was. And then she finally gets out of Slaanesh's belly and finds her son in this realm who still hates her. And he's a god. <laughs> and, oh, which pisses her off. Oh, she's so angry. That's all she ever wanted was to teach godhood. And her son not only did it, but he did it without her. So now it's like anyone. he doesn't owe her a thing for it. She's got no leverage. It's oh, it just drives her nuts. It's Man, it's the it's... best. It's the best. Because and, and, it, and it's written so well, you you can really tell how much she is just seething about it. Oh right. So <laughs> oh so let's let's jump in. First of all, um, artwork in this book is fantastic. I I just I love I love the artwork in this book. Um, the new stuff, the old stuff, it's just, it all sticks out. One of the things I really like in the artwork, at least, is when you go to the different cities, um, the witch elves, I mean, sometimes you see the drawings and they're, you know, they look a little, shall we say, Marvel cartoonish. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Hourglass figure -y. But Yeah, yeah. These, a lot of, when you look at a lot of these elf battle, you know, drawings, they look like they're athletic like they're not they're not over i mean yeah they're half naked but i mean they're they're they didn't overdo i mean they look like they they're they're not hyper sexualized for for as naked as they are i i was kind of glad that they didn't go that route um these these look like scary tough athletic women um, yeah, yeah like they could compete in the olympics yeah i mean they look Okay, I, I these these elves look realistic. I mean, I know that sounds like one of the dumbest things you can say, but it just I, you know, it's they look they look like they should look for who they are and what they do. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. I mean, far too often, and I, you know, when when you when you have an army full of women like this, they would be done in a way that. Uh, I don't know, boys club-ish, maybe you could call it or something like that. And they stayed away from that and they made them look like just lithe, athletic, 
they look dangerous. Um, so not unattractive, as, as but far, dangerous. The as far as art goes, you got your book open, right? Oh yeah. Just look to the left or the right of any of the pages, and you see those like pillar esque things with all the snakes and the Medusa type. Right, the borders. Yeah, even the borders on the book looks good. Yeah, and it it's crazy. That what a cool detail. Yeah, it's this. Okay, it's funny because after after I did uh, after we did Slaves to Darkness, I was talking about how much I would love to do an Archeon and and Varen Garden stuff. And uh, every time I do one of these and I get really into it, I get a bunch of emails from people who are like, "Do it, do it, join us. This is the army I play. You should have one." And if I did that, I'd have like twenty armies, and I and I'd, I'd have twenty unpainted armies that I don't actually play because I don't play the three that I have currently now. You know. Um, this is another one that I kept going at it. And I said, man, if I wouldn't have to pay like $900 for, you know, th- you know, a hundred witch elves, um, <laughs> uh, I would, uh, this is not, I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. This is another army that is sucking me in through the lore. And there's some pretty cool rules we're going to get into next episode. Um, I'm just, I'm just super excited. Why don't we, I guess let's jump into it. Sure. Um, you know, Where do you even start with this? I'm just starting from the beginning because there's so much that they throw out here. If you if you're unfamiliar, and I like to start if you if you're unfamiliar with the basic daughters of Cain lore, they worship Cain, who was in the world that was. He was one of the elven gods. He was the god of murder and, and blood and blood. bloody handed. Yeah, the bloody yeah. handed god. And these 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 elves. Um, basically revel, they worship him by killing. Uh, the battlefield is like their temple is like their worship. And they, they, they will kill and they don't take prisoners too often. You know, like they're, they will kill everything on the battlefield. They, it says they're some of the most ferocious warriors. Um, they are a highly matriarchal society. And in fact, it says females dedicate themselves to combat training and the observance of gruesome religious rites, while a cast of male serfs known as Lethanem or Lethanum uh, carry out tasks their masters deem to beneath them, freeing the daughters to concentrate on more worthy goals, uh, which is like gladiatorial combat and battle and uh, just killing. Killing, killing, killing. And the most feared are the Scathborn, which are the ones, the first ones that Marathi created. Um, and if you've been listening at all, you know that uh, you know she, she found her way out of Slanesh. And then when Slanesh was captured by the combination of her and Malarian and Tyrion and Teclis, that as they were pulling out the elven souls, she got some of them too. And she... Uh, you know, whereas Teclis tried to make them perfect and realized that they weren't, and then tried to do whatever he did, and re- and and then the Deepkin hate him for it. Um, she mixed in her own blood and dark rituals and shadow magic and made these half serpent uh, witch elves first, um, and they're brutal and vicious and frightening, and like you know, the real essence of her in them. Um, down to the point where they can change their shape and, and uh, visage as well. Yeah, they can make people there's that think little, that... There's that little tiny uh, sidebar story of one that shapeshifts to get into a, a throne room, essentially. Yeah. 
Um, so, boy, are they imbued with shadow magic. Right. And it's, it's uh, it, I love that it talks about here, uh, you know, people that they hate chaos more than anything. They are technically on the side of order because of how much they hate the forces of chaos and especially Slanesh. But they're not the good guys. Oh, no, 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 no. No, they are on the side of order because they're not on the side of death because they're not dead. They're not on the side of destruction because they're not just, you know, killing for the love of violence or for the love of the fight, you know. Um, they have more of a plan than just tear down everything we see. But boy, they, I mean, nobody trusts them. Nobody well, trusts them. It's kind of enemy of my enemy, right? Right. And that's why they're with order. Yeah. Like, I don't really like you, but I don't like them a lot more than I don't like you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else does it say in here? There's some really cool stuff in the beginning. Um, okay. Uh, talks about Marathi, um, elven sorceress whose eldritch mastery is rivaled by few beings. In the, I love that. I wanted one of these days. I want to start going through these books as I take my notes, and I'm just going to mark down every time that they talk about how they're the best at something, and I'm just going to just compile all those and go through the book and talk about how, just how you know, every time this guy strikes with his sword, he pierces armor, bone, flesh, stone, and guts through the whole world. Like they have every book has these. Just it, it, if they really fought as well as they did like this, the game would be insane. Um, but you go through. Well, this. I've said it for years. If you read any army book, they rationalize why they are the best army. Period. Oh, it, sure. It's every single one. And not only that, well, they want you to think you're playing the best army. You bought this book. You want to buy these models. You want to play this army. But every army has a bit of its own spin to it. Because, like, you don't get all the details that you got in Marathi when we got the first Broken Realms book. But some of the details you get in here are a little bit different. It's like it's when true. you're telling it from her point of view, you know, it's not quite the treachery and, and, and stuff that goes on there. Although this book is full of that. Um, <laughs> I mean, even here, yeah. she, she you know, once she becomes the, you know, once she reaches godhood, which we talked about a few episodes ago. Um, she proclaims herself Marathi Cain, the bloody-handed God remade in the flesh. She will not be satisfied until all bow before her, until every slight she has ever suffered is repaid in kind, until she takes her rightful place as the unquestioned master of the mortal realms. I mean, she's a sociopath. That's basically what it is. And she's a megalomaniac. She is going to be the unquestioned master of all the mortal realms. How is that any different than uh, Nagash or Archeon or, I mean, you know. Uh, well, I think any of the deities have their own, or the Pantheon, they have their own machinations to become lords of their prospective realms. You know, I don't think that any of them's special in that regard. There has to be an arrogance about you if you're going to be part of the pantheon. Yeah, that's probably true. Why am I? Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, but she just, like I said, she just, I mean, there is a revenge mode she is in for every slight ever. And, and, and trust me, I get it. They're mean to her. 
They've been mean to her. In fact, Nagash was one of the meanest. He's one of the ones who went and for he realized what she was and forced her to show herself in front of everybody in her true form. Yeah, but she also kind of hit on him a little bit to get, garner a little bit of power there. Well, and that was a stupid move. If you're going to talk stupid moves, she tried to she tried to seduce him. She tried to use her feminine wiles on Nagash, and he was just like, "Please well, don't play." Like I, 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 I don't. That's that's the no, no. I that's not. I don't have that type of feelings towards anyone but my. You know, I, I don't even feel that way about anybody. So yeah, he just. <laughs> she tried to play him, and he just turned her out. It was horrible, but it's just. I mean, she. It says she's reshaping the religion that she created to better suit her whims and her ego. I mean, anybody who questions. What's going on? Any organized objection, she extinguishes. She sent, I mean, she's got this half of this book, half of the people in this book are spies watching other people in this book. So if they say anything like sideways about questioning Marathi or any of the things that she tells them, they disappear. Yeah, they get a knife to the back real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting though, because with all this subterfuge and they're obviously not good guys, air quote, they, she's still so charismatic that she can win over forces of order before she turns on them. Yeah. I mean, it comes up in here later. How many times that she is, I mean, I mean, look what happened in Marathi. She attacks Anvilgard, takes Anvilgard over. And when they go in to fight, like they go to a parlay and she and they're like, OK, you can keep it like nobody knows exactly what she said, but she talks them into this stuff and she does it over and over. Everybody knows not to trust her. And every time she puts them in a position where they have no option but to go along with her, even if they don't trust her, they're like, all right, I don't trust you. I know you're up to something. But I got to go along with, oh, you got me again, you evil witch. And it's just like every time they get her. It's the You're worst. You're so terrible. Are we still on for lunch tomorrow? Yeah, no kidding. Seriously, <laughs> do not try a trust fall with her. You will land and hit your head on the floor. I am not joking. It is ridiculous. I mean, and even in here, her conquest will be one of subtle manipulation as well as all-out war, a shadow campaign in which supposed allies are set against one another and enemies are tricked into carrying out the Shadow Queen's will. She is, I mean, I, I hate to use the term she's a snake because that's just too much of a pun and that's not my gig, but <laughs> it, she's such a snake. She really is. And then we get to this part. Okay, so here. Here's some Marathi history, and I'm on the Dancing with the Shadows section, if anyone's following along in their book, okay? And there's some really petty nonsense in here, too. I love it. This, I, I adore her. Uh, I got so much into this as I'm reading this. So, you know, she comes out. Her mind, she's basically, her mind is basically broken. Her body is a mess. She comes out of Slanesh. She slowly gets her sanity back. And... She's, it says she's desperate for companionship. She traveled all 13 of the realms of Ulgu, uncovering secrets. Um, she's just absorbing magic, uh, like an insane amount. 
um, and then finally manages to absorb enough magic, shadow magic, where she can create this illusion of Marathi as she was before being swallowed by Slanesh. Then she meets her son. No joy came from the reunion of mother and child, for both nursed ancient resentments. Furthermore, she was beside her. Go ahead. That's an understatement. Oh, yeah. Like, that is such an understatement. I I really endorse and recommend you guys going back and reading some of the old world books. And that way you can really fully understand the scope of how much they just hate each other, but need each other then. That's not the case anymore. The old trilogy. There was an old trilogy, and it was... Wasn't it the they, that was when they were writing the books about there was Malekith and then one the third book was the Sundering when they split there was a trilogy yeah. of Malekith, uh, you know, growing up and all the all the awesome things he did and then he gets denied to be the Phoenix King and he thank you Tegos and Tyrion and he that wasn't their doing that was the the whole council was like oh, we don't think you know it stuff's no, been no, too easy for you the, he was doing the trial of fire. And then I think it was Tyrion that messed with him, and he failed a split second before the trial was up. Oh, no, that wasn't Tyrion. That was he walked through and just said, he busted in, remember? He busted in with his people, and they just forced that. They're like, nope, we're doing this. And basically at, at, at sword point, they forced everybody to let him go through the trials. Oh, right. And he there walked through and he burned, <laughs> and he, you know, said he was unworthy, so he burned. We didn't find out until the giant end of the world that was book series that that it was because and this is great for the, and hopefully you know i don't even know if when, when malarian ever when his army ever gets made and i hope it's soon uh i don't know how much of this we'll hear but if you don't if you didn't play old fantasy malarian tried to be malekith tried to become the phoenix king and they have to walk through this fire that to be reborn through this trial of fire and he walks through it and he burns and starts screaming and is burning and jumps out and he's dying. And basically, Marathi does a whole bunch of magic with her poor son, who she was certain was going to be the, become the new king. Because when his father, you know, he was going to take over after his father, uh, he doesn't because they said he was too young. And basically, he was going out in all these, con- never lost a battle like he was just the elf's elf, like the elf warrior king. He was perfect. He never ever lost at anything he tried. Um, he was even friends with some dwarves. Like at some point, like it was really cool to read his backstory. But he goes through this. He's burning. He's dying. His mother magically enchants this armor and basically bolts it into his skeleton into his skeleton into his frame to keep to, to keep him alive uh, he's in pain all the time because his body won't heal from these magical wounds so he's encased in armor and that's the only way he can live he can't take it off he's encased in it um, you find out thousands of years later that if he'd have stayed in the fire for one heartbeat longer, he'd have walked out unscathed in the true Phoenix King. But this was actually a test of the elven gods because everything in his life had come so easy to him because he was so good at what he did that they really needed to test him to see if he was worthy. And he failed. 
And it was 6,000 years of pain and suffering and war with him. And then he finds out that actually he was the rightful Phoenix King after all of this. And it's like, oh, my God, because Barnett and I argued about this for years. (laughs) Because I always said there's the high elves and the dark elves. He's like, no, 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 no. They're all elves. There's not good and bad elves. There's just elves. And it turns out he was right. Doesn't that make you sick? Oh. So, I mean, I, but so, I mean, they hate each other at this point. In fact, even more, it goes, she was beside herself with bitterness, for he was imbued with immense power, that he had gained immortality and an even greater affinity with the shadows than Marathi was all too apparent. Uh, it's just like, oh, she just, she hates him for getting all the things that she was never able to get herself. And then Sigmar finally shows up there. And, uh, you know, uh, basically they joined the Pantheon of Order and they helped bring civilization to their realms. And this is all the stuff you hear. Um, you know, few elves were discovered and most of them settled in Azerheim inside the realm of Azir, which is why we never see elves pretty much outside of there because the few elves who were there decided to go into Sigmar's land. What's funny is, you know, they they can't stand each other, and yet Marathian and uh, Malarian, but they end up joining forces anyway. So it's kind of like a tie, a throwback to the old times where can't stand each other, but they got to work together. Yep. And then that's when uh, Sigmar finds them, right? Out in Olgu. Right. They're working together, and it's, yeah. And even then, like when they go back to the to the realm of shadows, she 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 wants to split the realm between them. We'll rule it together 50-50. And he's like, <laughs> I tell you what, you can have this area over here. And he basically gives her the worst, nastiest, most violent, most dangerous, ugliest, most useless part of the realm they don't know if it was to test her they don't know if he just wanted uh, hoping she would die out there here's death valley go make your kingdom exactly and she (laughs) does and this and yeah and it's so funny it's the darkest most impenetrable of all the regions and none save himself had ever returned from those mists with their sanity intact that's some petty nonsense he pulled on his mother and it's wonderful him though Oh, yeah. She thrives in it. Why? Because she's the worst. He sends her out to the worst. And what happens? She becomes their queen. Go to the worst. Go to the worst environment imaginable. I got this. It's she's. Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, I love it. But I mean, talk about a backfire because she creates an impenetrable fortress or nigh impenetrable. Right. Like. How uh-huh. do you assail the worst? And the thing is, there some forces of chaos eventually do find it, but there's so much shadow. It's so dark. It's so horrible that she's able to hide one of the what what becomes one of the most powerful cities in her entire nation because it's in the worst. Like nobody wants to go there. Ugh. Even demons are like, I don't know if I want to touch that one, yo. Like that's. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just ter- it's 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 so it's it's so great. It's so great. Um it even says Malarian uh underestimated her. 
her followers come in. She's got the followers. Now, um, and then this is where they, they trap Slanesh. And Marathi is, excuse me, essential to this. Um, Teclis knows that she is a part of, you've got the two gods of light, Tyrion and Teclis. You've got Malarian, a god of shadow. You know they know they need another shadow one to balance it. This whole capturing of Slanesh relies on balance, right? And so they need another shadow person. So they bring in Marathi, and they're like, Marathi, you got to tell us what's going on here. And it says in here she reluctantly shared her horrific memories for the first and only time. She spoke of her suffering and how she had caused the Dark Prince to vomit her back into reality. This information is what Teclis uses. Uh, yeah. This could not be done without Marathi's sorcery and the vile wisdoms garnered from her own grim experience inside the god's belly. This is how they pull it out. So they couldn't have done this without her. She's actually essential. She is She is a, a prime, important, major character in the events of the history of these realms. Um. But she's just, even then, you know, she starts stealing. She's she's pulling extra souls out on the side. <laughs> and that's throwing that's things up. That's not confirmed. That's uh, not con- I, that was in one of the books. It said she did it because that's what threw some of the balance off and allowed Slanesh to, uh, to, to, <laughs> to get out more easily. It's like, wow. She, and if you read this, dude, she's constantly skimming. Uh, she is a thief and a scammer. <laughs> She scammed extra souls off when they were pulling bodies out of Slanesh. They were the crummy, twisted ones. And here, and talk but about another reason to be mad, dude. Souls, souls are souls, but this happens all the time. Uh, even in the Pantheon, you know, they weren't trusted. Marathi was outright treated terribly. Um, nobody wanted to work with her. Uh, you know, uh, Nagash, uh, you know, sh- makes her show her true form to everybody. I mean, everybody treats her terribly. Now, she has a history. I'm not saying she doesn't deserve the reputation she has. But as people keep crapping on her, <laughs> it's just, I mean, this is fueling this sociopathic need to get back at everybody. Talk about a book of grudges. Book. I was just gonna say book of grudges, but like on the spiteful. I don't even know how to quantify it. Well, it, and, it's and in her own head. Yeah, and she's thousands of years old, and she's got all of it's. It's not like it's just been passed down for generations, and they're slowly making them even. This is not about evening out the scales. This is no. about tipping the scales onto her and, and crushing everyone under her feet. Uh, okay, so let's see what else here. So, um, so okay, and here, now basically what does she do with her people? Once she starts getting some witch elves, which she's got some witch elves, she's got some of the scathborn, the half, uh, you know, the half snake elves. Uh, and so what does she tell them all? Because they're all like, oh, what happened to Cain? You know, we all worship Cain, God of murder. Oh, yeah. Guess what? I talked to Cain. Um, and uh, he says that uh, I'm going to be his right hand. So I am the Oracle of Cain. Uh, he speaks through me. She basically starts a cult. That's is, exactly it. That's exactly what it is. Anytime you hear any stories of cults where God himself speaks through this person, that's basically this story. 
He's speaking through me. Cain had indeed fought the chaos gods and been broken into fragments, but he's regaining power, and I can tell you how to help and get him back together. He's telling me all of this. All you got to do Thank you, sweetie. is exactly what I tell you. And, and everyone goes, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. By the way, are we still on for lunch tomorrow? Exactly. <laughs> are we still on for lunch? So, oh. so, yeah, she's just, she's able to collect parts of these shards. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helps her story. Well, and she, that, co- well, that she collects the Thing along. She gets the Iron Heart of Cain, which there's a whole story in here how she gets it. But that's the only piece. But she's scouring and scavenging for the other parts. But she knows there aren't there. It actually says that. She knows this is the last piece of it, but she keeps it. Keep looking, girls. You gotta find it. We can't put them back together unless you find it. Well, you have well, look look farther. These are big realms. Keep looking. <laughs> You know, it's like when it's oh my god! It's like when you're a kid and you're I can't find my sock. Keep looking, you're gonna find it. Like your parents just send you back. Keep looking. Except they it's know an it's Easter a- egg hunt with no eggs. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Well. And then of course, and then okay, so then they they talk about uh, uh, Duel, which is when the demons start running in, and they know. They can smell Slanesh is somewhere near Olgu. So they're coming there, and the, the, the demons are coming through and, and slaughtering through everyone, okay? And this is right getting cl- close to the, t- the time of chaos. Um, and, of course, their Hagnar has never fallen, and she's so proud. You know what? Sigmar had to lock himself up. Uh, Nag- Nagash got, got totaled by Archeon and had to run. Nobody's ever conquered Hagnar. Like, she is so proud of this that her city alone stood uh, while everybody else had to run away. Yeah, but meanwhile, nobody wants it. So it's like, <laughs> you're queen of this trash pile and very proud of this trash pile. And everybody's like, yeah, that's that that's great. But uh, the Slanesh keeps attacking it because they, they know that there's something to lead them where they want to be because they do keep it. In fact, it even says it would have fallen had the Stormcast Eternals not eventually shown up. Because, well, let's face it, chaos was taking over everything. That was one of the coolest things about when this when this first came out. You were first reading this. All the remember all the little fiction books about like all the all the 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 followers of corn uh, and how they yeah. were just. I mean. I mean, they had conquered. It's what did it say? Almost like ninety percent of the mortal realms were conquered by chaos. Yeah, and when you think and of how like big 60% they are, percent of that was corn by himself or something like that. It's crazy, and it's like even now, like they've only taken back these bulkheads, which it's it, it's it, it's kind of mind-boggling to think. I love that. I love that the scale of this 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 world is so large now. I mean, it's not 40k big, but it's it's get it, it feels 40k big compared to the world that was, which was just like well, a, you in, know. In, some, in some ways, it's bigger because the multi-layered realms and each one is spanning the size of a planet, essentially. Even bigger, you know. You know yeah. 
But I mean, you know, forty K's got what a billion planets or something like that. I mean, it's it's you know the entire universe practically. But yeah, but still... half of them are eaten and and gone and destroyed, and who cares? Yeah, life sucks, and you're probably going to get eaten by Tyranids. So... <laughs> <laughs> See you, Squatch, you crunchy little. <laughs> oh, oh, moment of silence for the Squats. Okay. Um, okay. I shouldn't have mentioned them. That's at least another year that no one will see them. Uh, so all this is happening. They're, bro, they're called Caradon Overlords. Get it right. Oh, those guys are cool. Um, okay, you know what? Let's do this. Let's hit um, – let's talk a little bit about some of this stuff, the Oracle's Gambit. Let's talk about her becoming a god, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk a little more because we've been going for about 40 minutes. So Already? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? We're like we've gone through like eight pages. <laughs> oh, we suck. Um, so, no, like I said, once again, they talk about how they're all mistreated, and this is so great. First of all, one of the things I get, and I'm like I said, I'm in the Oracle's Gambit, pages twelve and thirteen, and I have written all over my book. Go ahead, call shame, but <laughs> like everything that is done here, when you read this. Everything Marathi does, and they talk about all the all the allies she makes and all the things that do, everything. There's 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 an angle where she is gonna benefit more than the other person from this. There is nothing where someone else benefits more than her, or even an equal amount. Everything she does is gonna wind up, and they don't know it. You know, uh, the coalition of Hagnar and Azir was a means to an end, a necessary if distasteful compromise. That would protect the interests of Hagnar and the high, while the High Oracle pursued other greater endeavors out of sight of her allies. Like everything happens that way. She's trying to find godhood. She was going to kind of God un- unlock the path to true power. You know, she. Oh yeah, talk, this talks about how she. You know, she always was on the periphery of power, pulling strings in the shadows. But the horrors she experienced at the hands of Slanesh and the scorn which with her elven kin received her, she swore she would never bow and scrape before another. So that's it. After all that torture and all that time being the power behind the throne, and then she comes back and Tyrion and Teclis and Malarian and, let's face it, every Alariel, everybody kind of looks down on her because they all remember her from the world that was. And they're like, wow, you were horrible. You were horrible. <laughs> you were a liar. You wrecked everything with all your scheming, and we still don't like you. And she's like, but, but, but that was a long time ago. And they're like, have you changed? And she's like, no. And they're like, well. <laughs> have you changed? Well, now I'm a big snake demon. Yeah. Does that help? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but she, yeah, she, th- these, these are, there's the motivations. You know, um, oh, they talk about when the soul wars are going on, how she managed to, she went to all the battles that were that were crucial that she knew she could do well. If the battle was too big or too heavy or there would be too many losses, there was always an excuse why she couldn't get there. My uh, uh, my cart broke down. You know, I needed to rotate the tires. Yeah, exactly. On, on the, the cauldron of blood, I needed to rotate it. I just washed my hair. I can't... Oh. It, I can't do anything. I will catch you. Catch your death running around half naked with wet head. (laughs) And then they've got Veronite, which this is the whole thing that she needs the Veronite. And once again, if you don't know this part, you can go to the, you can really go to the uh, the Marathi book. 
you know, from the start of this the Broken Realms. But um, Varanite reminds you of Old Warpstone because it's only found in the in the eight points, and it's yep. it, it says it's lethal chaos magic given physical form. I mean, you know, we all know that the different realm stones are magic of that realm, but this is chaos magic given form, which is what Warpstone was in the world that was. So I, I kind of get Pretty that. Pretty much, yeah. It was wild magic and chaos. This is the same thing, just without the wild magic. Yeah, and she wants all of this, not just because it, she thinks it can help her gain, regain her godhood, or gain godhood, but it will also help her to... to Alter her own form because it's 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 it 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 changes physical. It alters you physically and spiritually, like if you get it on you, like it's that it's that it warps that much. She plans to use it to guide it. Her vanity is pushing her back. She still doesn't want to be have this snake form. She wants to be the old Marathi. So she's putting this all together. Um. Of course, Teclis' stupid lantern comes up again. <laughs> that thing just won't go away. You know, and I mean, but it's great. I mean, this is the lantern that he used to draw the souls out originally of Sinesh. He Slash. made this magic lantern based on what Marathi told him. But it's also the lantern that was so pure is what drew them. But it's also the lantern that he tried to burn out all the impurities from the, uh, what are they, the, uh, the Deepkin. And it made right. them run away. And they stole it because they didn't want him using it on them ever again. So they stole it and ran away. And she's like, oh, I need that. So she steals it from them. Which was an epic battle, by the way, or oh, like yeah. an epic conquest. Um, she had to send all these serpents down. Nobody ever thought that they could actually get to the lantern. They couldn't penetrate the seals. Uh, it was in a place that... You couldn't even assail, really, and Marathi managed to worm her her little assailants in there, and uh, and retrieve it. Yeah, and oh my god, yeah, when the, she wants something, she gets it yeah, eventually. They did not reckon with the spies and ancients of Marathi, and I just wrote it here. Nobody does. <laughs> nobody she, does. Nobody does because she always gets her way. And now here, here's the interesting, the, the umbral web. Were you reading about this stuff? Because that's what they use. They use the umbral web. The web, the umbral web, which which has a lot of its its sources in Ulgu. Um, yeah. But they talk about how they managed to use that to get almost anywhere. They also talk about how it's very dangerous to go through there, and very few people other than Marathi and, and Malarian and people who really understand its makeup can get through there. This sounds like the webway. I was just gonna say, it sounds like they need Motley the Solitaire, and he can take them wherever they want to go. Doesn't it though? Which is, I love. I, I I'm one of those people who loves linking these two games together through whatever bits because they keep throwing junk into it. I mean, come on, the 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 Skinks ran into the into the Ziggurats, and not only did they turn them on and fly away, um, they're actually spaceships, but they heard all sorts of weird half elvish talk coming through the radio speakers so it's like okay come on now like you know we know that these these places are connected in some way so i love when they when they put that in here um so they steal the temple and the rest of this was all in marathony marathy she goes to talk to sigmar hey sigmar you know he's got this stuff and he's trying to wreck it and wreck the realm gate from the eight points you know you put all the magical seals locked it down 
Well, that Varanite's going to just burn right through all those seals. He's going to come through. You should, you should help me go stop him. Why did it, 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 Sigmar's like, well, why do you, why are you even telling me this? Why would you want to help me? Oh, no reason. And he's like, okay, you know what? I don't trust you, but I really don't want them coming through. So let's do your plan. So okay, we're gonna do this and then have lunch. We're still on for lunch, and then we're gonna do this. Yeah. And so they so, go, and she totally screws them all over. Of course. She tells them that she's going to open a portal into the nothing and suck all the Varanite out and just dump it out, I don't know where, into the middle of... It's like they're using an, an infinite improbability drive. They're just going to jump this stuff to nowhere, except she's completely lying, and she's dumping it right at home into her cauldron because nobody can check that. Where are you dumping it? Oh, just, you know, out. Where's out? Just don't worry. It's going to be gone. Do you care? It's I'm like, saving your game. It's like Futurama when uh, Bender was getting rid of the toxic waste for everybody by dumping into the sewer. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's like, oh, yeah. I got you. It's not your problem anymore, right? It's gone. Uh, and so then uh, – and then so she does all this, and then there's a little more expand, uh, explanation, but – while she's doing this, some it's, it's into the giant cauldron, and she's in the cauldron, and she's being transformed. She's about to come out as a god, and they're battling over it, and they crack the cauldron. And somehow when they crack the cauldron, they mess up the spell, just like the Skaven did every time Nagash tries to do this stuff. <laughs> and the cauldron cracks, and it somehow, and plus apparently one of the, she's, sucking souls out of Slanesh using the lantern and she's eating them to power her own divinity and I think didn't she eat like I think it was her husband's old soul was the one she came on and she felt like kind of guilty about but decided to eat it anyway yes and he's like you b word and then he went and did something and like cracked inside her and when the cauldron cracked and he did that that's when she split into the two well, I mean, she's got the trifecta because she's got the Varanite unobtainium. She's got the lantern. <laughs> unobtainium, okay. <laughs> and then she's got the iron heart. And the, okay. And she's making this big blood soup. Yep. And, you know, she added a little bit too much salt and it cracks the cauldron. And so that screws everything up. And now she comes out in two parts. One soul two parts, which is the cleverest way to allow us to play with both models on the table. Because really... <laughs> you know, I played with it, and it was a pain in the butt to replace the model when it died, and then she came out, and then it, it was just a nightmare. And half this the time you start, with, you start with one and you almost automatically switch it. Always. And yeah, this is a clever way to... to I love when lore and rules work together and this was really not only clever but it really i think it made it more fun on the table because now you can play this paired models with each with their own thing um but so she gets out and she's about to kill the the lord of the lumineth because he's he wants you know the the shadow queen version of her is just brutal and, and and it's about it's uh what is it has its massive glaive to his neck yeah and is ready to plunge in and and she's like I got an idea I'll give you back your lantern and if you work with me I'll give you so many souls you won't know what to do with it and he's like 
And I love how here it says something about how, uh, let's see, something about how um, most uh, most elves would totally just out of principle and out of out of honor would be like, forget that you, oh, you that's terrible. But he was just like cold and calculating and be like, I need the lantern and I do need souls. All right, <laughs> let's do this. Uh, and it what wasn't even possibly go wrong. Yeah, it wasn't even that Marathi had the. Th- it wasn't. He wasn't mad that she had it. He just needed it to go where Teclas couldn't get it. That's how afraid of Teclas and what he might do to them that they are. Like they just don't trust him at all because of that. Tr- when he tried to first that first time he tried to burn the taint of Slanesh out of them, it tortured and almost killed them. And they were just like, oh no. Not even giving him another chance. So they make a deal with Marathi because, listen, we don't trust you, but we do want the souls, and so we're still on for lunch. <laughs> oh, my God. And then and that's, this is what happens. Every time, though, every time that she interacts with somebody, they're like, I don't like you, I don't trust you. And she's like, oh, but wait, here's this X factor. And they're like, you're right. How oh, that's could I disagree with this. Well, it's, and it's not even that. It's always something. They're they're just she she's clever enough to put them in a situation where, sure you can say no. You're screwed. You know you've got two choices: the bad choice, doing something; the stupid choice, doing something with me, or the really, really, really bad choice of not doing something with me and then getting screwed over. And every time they they fall for it and the thing is they don't even fall for it they're like i know you're gonna screw me but i don't really have a choice do i she's like no you don't and then she wonders why everybody hates her it's that folk tale of the uh the toad and the scorpion Uh uh-huh she betrays them and they go what the heck and she goes well i'm a scorpion yeah (laughs) only in this case i'm a snake exactly that was, you know, that's funny. That's exactly. I was thinking of that that story that the Native American guy tells. If you ever saw that movie, um, what was that movie? Uh, Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. When they're in the they're in the place of the Native American, he's like the lady finds the old wounded snake, and it's hurt, and she takes it home, and she nurses it back to health, and she does all this, and then one day it's all healthy, and it's about to leave, and it turns around and bites her and poisons her, and she's like, "I nursed you back to health. I did all this," and he's like, "Woman, you knew I was a snake." Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly that story you told. It's just, and that's what she does every time, and it's glorious. I've just, I've just decided I love it <laughs> because they're so dumb, and they keep going. For, and you know, you deserve it if you keep going yeah, no, for it. Only once, Marathi. <laughs> exactly. All right, listen. We've been talking now for almost over forty-five minutes, almost an hour. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about Marathi actually becoming a god, and then attacking places, and then we're gonna talk about her realm, and then probably take another break, and then talk about uh, a lot of these characters because there's some really, really cool stuff about the cities and these different. Um, you, you you think with you think daughters of Cain, you think it's pretty much just witch elves, and it's not. There's so much cool stuff in here. So we'll talk about that when we get back.
There's always something happening at Grognard's. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section. And you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols. And if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either. But you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because if the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. And we are back. Back again with more of this this book, this amazing journey into Marathi and the rest of the Daughters of Cain. But really, Marathi. But really, it's a book about Marathi. They could have named it like Marathi Part 2 or Broken Realms Marathi Part 2, and it would have been acceptable. The whole book's about her. Sure. I mean, but that's that's it. I mean, they call it Daughters of Cain, but she's renamed herself Marathi Cain. If they call this Daughters of Marathi Cain, it would almost be more accurate. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. So where are we at? We're at... Marathi Ascendant? Yeah, 14. Marathi Ascendant. Yeah. So you know what's really interesting is she puts the she brings the lantern and this is, we kind of covered this a little bit when we were talking about what she did with uh, with the Volturnus. But so she takes the lantern and goes to Slanesh and starts and and the lantern is so bright it draws all the souls in him out like they they head they go towards the light all the little Carol Anns coming towards the light right and she just starts devouring them. So here's Marathi, who hates Slanesh more than anything. She wants to get revenge on Slanesh more than anything, right? She hates what he did to her. She hates that he devoured her, that he tortured her, that he did all this. But she wants to become a goddess, and what does she do? She drags all these souls out and eats them. The exact same thing that the Dark Prince did. Exactly. <laughs> Snake! <laughs> I'll save you guys. I promise. Come here. Yeah, they come forth to meet their savior and Marathi, transforming into a horror of shadow and scaly coils, bared her fangs and began to devour them. You got to feel for Slanesh, though. That's like eating Chinese food. You know, he's hungry 20 minutes later because. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. He ate so many. I think it was more like Thanksgiving dinner, man, because he ate so much that he literally laid down for years just to sit and digest. Yeah, people would ask me at the shop, like, uh, what happened to Slanesh? Are they phasing him out? You know, this and that. And then, you know, oh, it's because they're he's not, you know, PC for the new age. And I'm like, no, read the darn books. 
He's sleeping. He's food coma man. He's more bloated than Nurgle right now. <laughs> and it's great. And that, and we, we talked about that last episode, me and Jerry, how they took they took a, a completely R, possibly X-rated God and made models and made a story that you could still sell to, to a younger audience and get away with it. Right. Um, so here, I'm reading this part, and I actually, in this book, this sounds like it was the plan. Whereas, and this is where I bring up how, you know, you said all the books make them sound like they're the best. I'm in, this, I'm in the middle paragraph, uh, our middle column on page 14. Um, you know, Volturnos is coming after her. It looks like they're in trouble, but then that Slaneshi Herald comes and she attacks Volturnos because she saw the vision of whatever that thing is that Slaanesh was going to spit out, which we now know was part of his own essence. He managed to basically kick a piece of himself out to make a mini Slaanesh. That is going to eventually grow up to hopefully come in and 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 uh, and uh, you know uh, free the imprisoned one. So he makes like a ring version of himself. Um, but then they come in and Marathi, the cauldron splits and erupts, exploding and scaling blood. Canite and Ideneth alike were sent hurtling through the air by the force of the magical eruption. And it almost sounds like it was the plan, like this explosion and all this stuff. This is how she planned it on happening. And But when you read Marathi, you're like, oh, no, that's not the plan. But once again, this book, much like everything Marathi tells her people, is like her version. It's all propaganda. There was no mistake. It was a split. That's how it was supposed yeah. to go. The super cauldron had to break to free her, essentially, from the unobtainium. Mm-hmm. Had to. Yeah. And so, like I said, for many proud elven kings, honor would have demanded this offer of peace would be scorned. However, the high king was a whole cold and calculating creature of the deep ocean. He saw promise, and it stirred his icy heart to see the spirits of his long-dead kindred return. So he goes with it, and they go after Anvilgard. And she's killing people <laughs> left and right, and what does he do? He attacks the borders areas. He comes in from the water. He brings in mist and shadow. And all of these humans they're killing, they start reaping the souls. Because if you've, if you've read the Deepkin book, their souls are basically kind of broken and corrupted. And a lot of them need to feed off of soul energy to stay alive. So she, hey, look, I, I got a feast if you're going to, if you want, the, I'll give you back the lantern back. And all you got to do is help me in this next gig. And you got everything you could want. Okay. And then lunch. And so. They go to, they go to Amblegard, right? Yeah. She's been there before. She's made alliances there before. It, it's happened in the past because they are an order city, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. She also went to visit Hammerhall before too. And that just makes me think, Hammerhall, watch your back. Right? <laughs> and because that's the thing. She's got so many people there. She, the, she's got all these temples there. She's got her people in place waiting for this. What I thought was interesting is one of the reasons she really wanted Anvil Guard is because she wanted the Stormcast Keep because it said there were no fewer than four realm gates, each leading to a different location in the Great Parch. Uh, the seizure would grant Marathi a lucrative and important center of power in Akshi, a stepping stone from which to plan further conquests. I love how the realm gates are not just a way through to places. They are a commodity. And it's not just the the eight points where this one realm can get you to every realm. 
but controlling areas that control the realm gates is power. Well, think about this. It's just like, you know, powerful port cities from our own world. Right. They're always the most prominent throughout history, period. That's why, you know, uh, Rome was Rome. It yeah. had access to all the ports. And this is the same things. thing. Yeah. Exactly. And so exactly. she's same, same concept. She's grabbing uh, a realm, you know, these place with all the realm gates. Uh, oh, and I love this. She's also not stupid. She knows that Sigmar's going to be pissed. So oh, yeah. They don't <laughs> so kill any of the Stormcast. The Eternals. Yeah. They're poisoning them. They're paralyzing them. They're doing everything they can to knock them out and take them all alive. Every last one of them. So that none of them can go back up to Azir in a bolt of lightning and be like, uh, Sigmar, uh, like nobody can use the bat phone. Yeah, right here. Marathi didn't want, uh, did not wish any to die lest they return to Azir for reforging and bring word of her portrayal. Not yet, at least. She's got more plans coming oh, yeah. to deal with, with uh, Sigmar. Well, she knows eventually that he's going to find out, but he can't find out now. She's got it. <laughs> she, it uh, she's, she's brilliant. She, her, her, she's, she, I mean, seriously, you know, she would thrive in Dune. Like, oh, yeah. like that kind of plans within plans and backstabbing. She's made for it. Um. And but, she would have more spice than anyone. Oh, I know. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Um, but it's crazy that she gets away with all of this. Um, what else is in here? Then you get the uh, the space timeline. Well, no, the, you get the timeline, the history timeline. It's no longer a space timeline. They dropped that, thankfully. And I mention that all the time because I hated it. Um, and there's some interesting stuff in here. Uh, the one thing that jumped, that made me shocked... Um, is Blood Feud? Did you read this one? Blood Feud. It's 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 on the first page of this of the timeline on on uh, page sixteen, and I only bring this up because the High Oracle commands the Hang Hag Queen Tyrathi. Oh yeah, Tyrathi. Now, if, if I I know this sounds dumb, and I, and I don't have any proof of it, but uh, my friend Chuck Chuck Moore, Strength Hammer. Yeah, he he goes to a lot of tournaments. He's he's kind of you know people know him on the different tournament scenes. He's very big under the in uh, like uh, you know in the social trying to get the community. He's a very big community sort of person, right? And he does like I said all that strength hammer stuff, trying to get all of us fat gamers to work out like he does. And uh, <laughs> but he plays witch elves constantly, like that's his army, right? He plays the daughters of Cain. He's also a big fan of Taylor Swift. And he go. He's gone to tournaments like dressed up as a witch elf or a hag queen, and he calls himself Tayrathi. It's his Ta Taylor Swift witch elf thing, and he's got a character that he always called Tayrathi. That's his general in all his armies, and he's been talking about her forever. And then I'm reading this book. I'm like, there's Tayrathi. Like this is not a name that ever shows up. I'm not saying that the guys who wrote this, did this for him, you know, or as, as, a, as a thing. But here's a guy who dresses up like a hag queen or one of these elven, uh, these daughter of Cain warriors when he goes to tournaments to play his army. And I've never heard this name before in any of these books. And suddenly this one comes out and it's got his, 
I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know well, that it's. Well, be surprised, man. Games Workshop, they they see things, they notice things, right? Especially uh-huh. the writers. And uh, me and a buddy both have uh, Tyranid Hive fleets that have made it into the codexes over the years. Really? So I'm. I would bet that uh, Tayrathi is the same Tayrathi. That that is just so, and I, you know, and this is a complete side note. And if you don't know Chuck, this means nothing to you, and I'm rambling. But when you know somebody who loves this army this much and creates a, a general, a character that they cosplay, that they, that they write cosplay. about, you know, and they do all of this stuff, and then they wind up in the book, and you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's, right. you know, the writers are like, dude, we've heard how much you like it, and that's pretty cool. Now she's canon. And that's just fantastic. Like, I... Oh, God. If they would have made one of my dwarven characters just like one of the characters in a dwarf book, I think I would have pooped my pants. Like, that would have just, you know, that would have been so neat. So... I we just, need to secure a, a signed copy of this book for him, like signed right on top of that paragraph. That would be really cool. If, if wouldn't that be epic? That, oh my god! Oh, I'm certain he would love it. If I don't, I don't know. I don't know who wrote this. I don't think because I, I was even looking in the beginning. They don't print them anymore. They don't print who wrote it. I, if 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 the authors were to sign this for him, that would be really cool. Uh, what else? Oh, and of course, then it talks about how her essence was split in two, two distinct forms joined as a single fractured consciousness. Unbeknownst to the newborn goddess, her ritual allows something terrible to slide into reality, a protean essence bearing the mark of her ancient nemesis, Slanesh. That's when, with that, what she does gives him so much pain. that mm-hmm. sucking, Ripping the souls out through his face. <laughs> Up his throat and out his face puts Slanesh in so much pain, but the god of excess draws strength from that and is able to enact a bit of a plan to come back. These two are so interlocked with each other. The more they try to kill each other, the more they actually like push each other to be stronger and better. Like They keep surviving each other and coming back stronger. Um these side stories are so brutal too. just like the Tayrathi one. Uh, did you read the fungal lunatics? Oh yeah. Little tiny paragraph. Golly. They just brutal. Yeah. Where they, they nail a crystallized form of him to his own fungal shrine frozen forever in the grip of unimaginable agony. That comes up later when they talk about the that that certain unit that can do that, where they can the the ones that look like Medu- they can turn you to stone, but you don't turn to stone, you turn to crystal. Yeah, yeah, the heart renders or whatever. Right, but like when you're frozen there, you're still conscious. Yeah, that's rough. So you're stuck, and there's a part in there that they talk about their favorite move is to stab you right through and rip your heart out and turn you to crystal right at that moment, so you're frozen forever with the pain. An awareness of your heart having just been ripped out of your body, and the—I don't know. I'm saying it sounds a little slanashy to me. I, I'm also just saying. Also, sounds a little nagashi. That's the type of thing nagash would do. That—that <laughs> that petty yeah. sort of. You know what? I'm just gonna make sure you suffer forever. And why Sorry, not? Cetra. Oh God! No, <laughs> Cetra doesn't kneel. Cetra rules. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, until he's just a severed head watching the end, the world end. Poor Cetra. 
okay, and so basically, then you get to the end of this, and one of the Stormcast who knows what, that she's completely a weasel uh, manages to get back to Sigmar. Sigmar is so angry, he sends down the Stormcast. The Stormcast are kicking all sorts of elfin butt, and then what happens is Marathi herself shows up on the battlefield, and she's like, oh, really? I'm a god now, by the way. You've had it. <laughs> and she starts killing them all. And then the Celestin Prime shows up and says, stop. And everybody stops because he's the Celestin Prime. And he says, stop. And everybody stops. And then he looks at Marathi and he's like, parlay? Because, you know, the best thing to do, it's always good to talk things out with her because you always wind up on the good end of that. So they go and they go in there for a day and they talk and not even like nobody's with them, not even her advisors who are always with her. Nobody knows what they said. Nobody knows what happened. But the prime walks out and says, all right, Stormcast, we're leaving. She gets to keep the place. She gets to keep it. Yeah. Why? Shut up. (laughs) Because shut up. That's why. And they're like, "Okay, then we're leaving. And then he's like, bye, Marathi. We'll see you tomorrow at lunch. And then they go. And I know I'm beating a dead horse with that joke, but it's only because it's true. Absolutely. It's not even a joke. She gets her way all the time. I'm still confused as to how, like, I understand how I'm reading the stories as to how, but I still don't understand how. I think I would have to be her to understand how. She can talk anyone into anything. If I mean, it's crazy. Uh, other, you know, Teclas may be the greatest magician, and Sigmar might be the guy who brings all these people together. And every she just is the. Uh, I mean, she she's can, the greatest manipulator. Yeah, she can talk her way out of anything. But she can't talk her way into Nagash's pants. Or, or to get her son to, to, do, to, to do what she wants. And she can't talk anyone into trusting her, which just makes her oratory skills all the more amazing because she's lying and they know she's lying and they go along with her anyway. It's insane. Oh, yeah. So then you get a couple of stuff about this, this, the first cities and things like that. There's some really cool artwork here. I think they're killing a bunch of uh, of. Uh, it looks like fire slayers, and here they're killing some griffin monsters. Um, I do like this black and white artwork. And there's just a little bit of the map that shows you this huge area of Olgu, and she gets to stay in this really crummy part. And uh, it's just really cool. There's some really cool stuff in here. Um, you guys can check out the little map parts yourself. Um, this is an audio show, not a video show. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that because I've been told that I have a face for for radio. Oh, so I know, I do. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? This works out. Yeah, yeah. Me and my fat gamer bod has no business being on the video. Uh. <laughs> All right. Um, None but Marathi know how many Melisai dwell within the great brood caverns of, oh, I'm not going to pronounce that one, something, something deep beneath her capital. So how many Melisai? We don't know, but a lot. Oh, yeah. Where is that? I'm trying to, what is that? 
Where is that? It's page 21. Okay, wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what that was either. Slithasarath? Slithasarath. Slithasarath deep. Yeah, forget it. Everything got it, and then they put a little accents over the letters, and I'm supposed to figure. I'm supposed to know which how that's supposed to be pronounced. Forget about it. Uh, okay, so let's see. Um, the Canaanites. Uh, they talk about the the sort of the the setup for their armies. Very strict hierarchy. Uh, they're warriors who serve in a religious order, or they are laathanim, disregarded menials who are little more than worker drones. All sects save the Kraith are composed of both. See, I would love a, a even a novella about the the males in the society. Just something that gives a little bit more rounding out to the backstory on them. Yeah, because yeah, there they have there's a, there's so little about them. Uh, and I get, you know, you got to have menial labor, but what is the deal with them? Um have they ever attempted an uprising? Have they ever attempted anything, really? Or are they just content with being manservants, you know? Um, I think it is interesting, though, that they talk about how the men born of actually not the, the, the male souls, which it sounds like she can decide when she has a soul, whether she can create it and give it a female or male body. It almost sounds like that when we get to that later. But the male souls, were, she made those were like some of the weakest and most broken. But then apparently she's put some sort of magical curse on all the el- all the daughters of Cain. So if they do have male born, if they do have male children, they come out broken too and weak because she doesn't trust men. It's I mean there's some weird stuff and it comes it comes up later. I, me- I remember I read it. That's not I, we're not here yet, but she just doesn't trust them at all and she makes sure to keep them in a position even if they weren't made from broken elf souls if you're born from a just a natural childbirth you come so out just kind of like weak. born into shackles but magical ones yeah um yeah and like i said it says that the kraith uh don't have canites and the uh, liathanum because the kraith don't live in a city or a temple. The Kraith are just wanderers. Right. They're out looking for shards. <laughs> yeah. That they're never going to find because it doesn't work that way. All right. So let's talk about the six cities. Let's do this next, okay? The six cities, yeah. um, and we'll kind of go over them a little bit quickly. Um, but first of all, there's Hagnar, and that's where Marathi first established herself in Ulgu. It's deep in the umbral vale, the darkest region of the Shadowlands, atop a mountainous island constantly lashed by the pitch-black waves of the penumbral sea. Um, their armies are the most likely, Hagnar armies are the most likely to come out with all sorts of cauldrons and all sorts of that stuff because that's, that's really sort of, that's, that's Marathi's thing. The, the, they're really, they seem to be the most magical or magically inclined. Yeah, army. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, they have all the blood rites and things like that going. But this is the first city. This is Morathi's the first city. And uh, it's it's you know, it's the biggest city. It's the place. I would I, if I was gonna if I was gonna draw a comparison, I would say if you're if you're playing a Hagnar army, that would be like if you're Stormcast and you're playing the Golden Boys. Or if you're in Forgotten Realms, it's Menzo Baranzen. 
Uh-huh. Or if you're playing 40K and you're playing Space Marines, you're playing Ultras. Like, it's these <laughs> These are the guys, right? This The, the Hagnar are your... When you picture a, a, a daughter of Cain, this is generally what you picture. Sure. Uh, Drachy Ganeth translates as the Bladed Killers. Their main temple is in the northern barrens of Fwarthorn in Ulgu. Um... They are the most commonly seen because they're the ones who are always moving out to find new lands and new things to kill. They they're very violent. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're the gladiatorial, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you see them fighting in uh, arenas and crap, killing everybody. Yes, they are also now they are the ones you see. It says you literally see these the most because they're the ones who join the most battles because they're all about the perfecting the kill. And that's sort of their thing. Like you said, they're in the gladiatorial combat. They are also um, the killing blow. Beheading in particular is like their perfection. Like this is how they they most perfectly worship uh, Cain is in this one strike, cutting the head off, perfect blow, moving on sort of thing. Um, they also don't use poison. A lot of the other witch elves use poison. They don't. They're like, uh, that's not cool. Um, they regard it. Uh, they regard that as beneath them because a true warrior has no need of anything but athletic poise and prowess with a blade. <laughs> Commendable. Just given their society. Uh-huh. That's, that's pretty. Yeah. That says a lot. Yep. And the. Uh, and they look down on basically all the other ones because they're not these perfect killers. The only ones that they don't look down on as much are the Kraith. Because the Kraith don't have a home. They're the wanderers and they're just... The, but they look at the Kraith and they're like, yeah, we appreciate that you love the kill. But even to these guys, whose highest form of their their religion and their worship of Cain is the perfect beheading... They look at the Kraith and like, you guys are vicious. You guys are a little too much. <laughs> Which makes me think, and I'm reading this going, wait, the Kraith, who are these people and why are, what is that? <laughs> Kraith, and, we love what you're doing here, but you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So, Hag- but, but good job. Yeah. So, Hagnar, you're going to see the most cauldrons. Drachy Ganeth, uh, you're going to see the most witch elves. You're going to see just hordes of witch elves in, yeah. this, in this army because they're the ones out there killing. So they shun stealth and make no attempt to conceal their kills. That's yep. that's brutal. Yeah, they're just out there. We gonna do it. All right, now we get to the Kraith. No real temples. No real temple cities because the battlefield is their temple. Where do we worship? Where we kill. Um, no other sect is as dedicated to slaughter as them. And... They sneer at the executioner's cult, finding their controlled moderation to be weakness in another guise. It's their belief that the daughters of Cain were meant to bathe in blood, not daub it on daintily. I love that so much. Isn't that fantastic? (laughs) You know, I don't need a fancy kill. I don't need a perfect kill. I need a kill. A kill is a kill is a kill. If I cut off your head, if I cut off your limb and you bleed to death, if I gut you, if I shove my sword in your rectum, doesn't matter. As long as rectum darn near killed him. That's all that matters. 
it's just one more notch on the uh, on the the handle of the whip there. You know, oh. it doesn't matter how it's coming. Yeah. So that's that's them. And it's a, crimson and burgundy garments are the visual hallmarks of the craze. No kidding, because much like Deadpool wearing red. It's hard to get blood out of your clothes, and when you wear red, it just covers it better. Hey, Kraith, how do you feel about killing women and children? Oh, it's easy. You just don't lead them as much. Exactly. (laughs) Children don't expect it coming, so when you hit them, they bend real easy, so you just got to watch the angle of the knife or else you get it stuck in there. Wait, what? Nothing. (laughs) Just keep going. We're fighting now. I mean, seriously, these guys are worse than Jason. Like Jason, Jason Voorhees, at least he doesn't kill like little kids. These guys kill kids, dogs, cows, chicken. Like they don't care. A kill is a kill. If there's something alive on the battlefield, it won't be. Oh, man. Oh. So who else we got? We've got the Calebron. There is but yep. one temple dedicated to their cause, and its location is a secret. Why? Because they are the assassins. Um, they act as a troop of blade dancers, but in reality, they're on secret missions assigned by Marathi. Um, these guys actually, they only have one main temple, but they are in a lot of temples, but nobody knows it's them because that's the whole point. They're assassins and spies. You know, you don't know that they're in your place until you said the wrong thing. And then you have a blade sticking through the back of your favorite skull. And, you know, they're one of the most scary because you don't see it coming. Oh, no. All the all of a sudden you're just sitting there talking about, yeah, you know, Marathi's great, but I really don't agree with her on. Bleh. On what? Knife in the throat. Yeah. That's the best part. If you ask a Calebron what what the people they kill like the least about Marathi, the answer is because that's all they get to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what do we got next? Keltnar. Keltnar. The fastest growing of the sects established by Marathi. Uh, despite the layers of shadow magic that obscure the temple fortress of Keltnar, the forces of the ruinous powers have located and invaded it no fewer than six times. <laughs> um, they they stop them every time, but apparently the Keltnar hate chaos more than any other group because chaos keeps attacking their city. So you think about how much Marathi hates... Slanesh, how much this whole army, people who don't trust them, people who have been like, you know, I heard that after they were fighting, they didn't stop fighting after they killed the enemy. They killed their allies, too. Oh, no, I think you're exaggerating. Those people, they fought chaos to the point where the, every last one of them was willing to die. They did all this. And all of them, that's like, ugh, tourists. These guys are the ones who <laughs> really hate uh, chaos. And I think it's fascinating Plus, they have um, precious umbral metal that runs throughout the the place where they're where they're they're uh, they're play, uh, through Roth. Roth yeah. Um, then they make these weapons called uh, Quirith. Is it Quirath? Quirath? K U I R A T H. Quirath. I don't know. Quirith. Quirith. There we go. Blades infused with an obfuscating curse. So. Okay, this metal, apparently, it's precious, and once you've been cut by it, it poisons you with a sort of 
shadowy confusion spell. So a potent shadow stuff spills into your veins. So you get cut by this, and maybe it's not a deadly, lethal cut, but suddenly you're confused and don't know where you're going. And you know what this reminds me of? Soporific musk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Suddenly you're just like, wait, what's happening? And you forget you're in a fight, and next thing you know, you're dead. And the, oh. they're the only ones who make these things, and the secret is heavily guarded because everybody would want these because that's a cool weapon, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I don't even think Stormcast would be above using them, using it at least a little bit. Are you kidding against really big things? If you could slow them down and confuse them, the big monstrous things, I'd rather use that knife against uh, something than be, be uh, reforged for the 15th time and come back a little more weird. Right. Uh, what? Xanthar Kai. Yeah. This one's a trip. Because they don't really have strongholds. They have, like, snake dens. Yeah, it's really creepy the way it's described. Brood nests and roosts. And this is, these are the ones, these are the snake ladies that she created that most, most people didn't even know about them. Like, even... There were even the daughters. A lot of them didn't know about them. They were just rumors and things. Now that she's a goddess, okay, come on out. Now she doesn't care because now that she's got her two forms, and she's got the shadow queen, bring out the other shadowy monsters. Um, well, not only that. Now they're seen as holy beings by their kin. Mm-hmm. So before nobody even knew they existed. And now they're like, oh, oh, but this is a sign from the god queen Marathi, Cain. <laughs> yeah, they look like her. They must be something divine because they they have that. They they, they are much like the shadow queen. Um, crimson tears spill from their eyes. Their scales and leathery wings are flushed with sacred blood. So they're very reddish in color. Um They don't flee from a battle. To do so would dishonor their divine legacy. The greatest Xantharchai blood crones blaze with the power of Cain. Their cursed blood is so richly potent with his rage and passion that those nearby are stricken with agony, boiling gore pouring from their orifices in a hissing tide. Ugh, that sounds awful. So it's little tiny snippets like this that make (laughs) me think that Cain isn't actually gone. And it's not just subsumed by Marathi. Well, there is power from that the Iron Heart because it's still beating. And That's as long true. as the Iron Heart still beats, even if his body's destroyed. I mean, what's his name? Um, you know, um, Grimnir. Yeah. He was destroyed, but his essence is still there. And they're trying to bring him back. I mean, that would be cool, you know, but... I mean, I I don't I ain't seen a body. We've in fact we've got a heart. It's still beating. It would be cool. It would be really cool to have him come back and be like, uh, Marathi, I got a word for you." Oh, so the so next cool. section goes right back into Marathi. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah, Again. now that we finished the all the all the cities, now we've got we've got the different units. 
and this is yeah. what we're going to do to wrap up this unit. We're going to take one more break after we talk about Marathi because, of course, she gets her own page and she gets such a great picture. Although it's just Shadow Queen Marathi and not uh, not uh, Marathi Kane. Well, most of the time it's Shadow Queen because uh, it's visually striking. Oh, it's it's just... so good. It's such an. Uh, I love. I love the model. I love the picture. This and this is the the the, the quintessential. Her looking down, the face all beautiful, but completely full of disdain and disregard. The giant wings. It's fantastic. Right. A cunning diplomat, a fearsome warrior, a devious ruler, a speaker to demons, and the mother of a tyrannical god. <laughs> and she makes a fat-free brownie that tastes just as good as the real thing. <laughs> if that doesn't sum her up, I don't know what. <laughs> a manipulator and schemer without peer. I mean, list, none of these are good things. <laughs> I mean, she's the worst. I love her to death. She is the worst. This is, she is the, I love to hate her. Like she is, you know what I mean? She is like, if she was on a Housewives show, she'd be that one who's just the one everybody gets into fights with every week. Every week. She is and, the worst. And the, the network won't fire her because she brings in too many ratings. Exactly. This is, but she, I mean, she's, she's what I'm reading about. Honestly, she's the whole book so far. Other than Tay Rathy, I can't name another witch elf or another <laughs> another daughter. And I only know Tay Rathy because Chuck dressed up like her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, let's see. Uh, then there's the Shadow Queen. This war form is a towering serpentine monstrosity with enormous bat-like wings and a mane of venomous snakes. Um... The wider world, including a majority of Hagnar's denizens, believe the Shadow Queen to be a monstrous ally of Marathi Kane's. So one more little lie. Right. They don't <laughs> know that this is a weird split soul thing because she's not going to admit that her godhood has got some weird quirk to it. Yeah, no, you know what? I was going for godhood and I got split into two. Listen, two halves, same coin. I got the light half. She got the dark half. I look cute. She's scary. I'm magical. She's physical. It's it. Listen, it works. <laughs> Let's not dwell on it. Are we still on for lunch? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and it says here, one of the Elven King's souls devoured by Marathi during her ascension to godhood found the strength for a final act of vengeance before obliteration. So that was the psychic blow that cleaved her physical form in two. So much like what, the, like I said, what the Skaven always do to Nagash right before he's about to complete his thing. They show up and mess it up. Uh, she face, I, I thought this was interesting. She faces a constant battle to balance the two clashing aspects of her psyche. And the ragged wound in her godly soul may never truly heal. And she wonders if the final cost of her ascension is yet to be revealed. They share a soul. They have that same energy, and that connection goes into their wounds as well. That's what she says. She always has to be careful that the, the Shadow Queen's malice does not lead her into terrible danger because the Shadow Queen, the angry part, rushes into battle, and if that one dies, she dies, which, once again, lore working into the rules. Right. Um, although she wields the Iron Heart, Marathi carries none of Cain's divine essence in her own veins, and this is what you were saying where he might still be alive. 
Um, also, she plays a delicate game. If the canine masses were to discover the true scale of her duplicity, scale, get it? See what they did there? <laughs> they would surely seek the destruction of the usurper goddess. But such is her skill at manipulation, coupled with her ruthlessness in silencing dissenters, that her people remain ignorant. At, at last, she wields the power to remake the realms in her own image and take revenge on all who dared to doubt her. That's the last sentence. The last thing to say about her is she now has the power to remake the realms in her image and take revenge on everybody. God, she's oh, awesome. Feels good. Doesn't feels it? good. Fantastic. All right. One more break. And then we're going to come back, and we've still got uh, like uh, just to talk about the different uh, the different unit types, you know, just the different things that you're going to find in an army because there's still some stuff, and there's some new things in here, or at least stuff that I don't remember from the last book because I didn't play them. I don't remember, but uh, we'll get back to that in just a minute. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. So, of Queens and Cauldrons. So, uh, this is interesting. If you want to become a high priestess of the Canite cults, you got to be picked by Marathi. Uh, the initiation rites include a series of gory tests and blessings that culminate in an aspirant's immersion in a cauldron filled with shadow creatures from the nether domains. If you survive, you come out more powerful than before. Uh, let's see, hag queens, uh, they talk about hag queens, they're the guardians of Cain's mysteries, uh, they mix the necessary poisons that are responsible for the battle lust and battle rage that they use, um, so the hag queens make what's called witch brew, and I did not know this, this sacred concoction is derived from the blood of slaughter queens slain in the service of Cain, and a single, yeah, um, the resulting broth has a viscous consistency of clotting blood. Oh, that's wonderful. 
Mm. And a single draft heightens the senses of the imbiber to supernatural levels, imbuing them with an uncontrollable bloodlust and robbing them of any sense of self-preservation. Isn't that wonderful? It's crazy. And their most important duty is to prepare the cauldron of blood for the rituals of rebirth. Now, they have these rejuvenation baths. Apparently, they have lived way longer than elves normally live. Like, and elves live a long time, and they've lived even longer. And without these rejuvenation bath things that they do, they would age rapidly or even die. Now, I thought elves were immortal. Now, is that just Tolkien elves? Did I, am, do, am, I, am I confusing my elf lore here? Yeah, there's no island of Lothloria here <laughs> where oh. they just get venerable and go away. They, we don't have that, I don't think. I, you know, Something I, that's really, really cool about the, the ritual, though, that's never been retconned as far as I know. That That's an old, old lore piece that yeah. has been brought back through the ages. I do remember reading about this. They haven't found a way around it because uh, that, that, a lot of that stuff happens after Murder Night. Remember Murder Night? Yes. Yes. This is why I never liked the Dark Elf Army, because the Dark Elf Army, I'm like, dude, this I, I don't understand how this race even survives. They kill <laughs> themselves. Like Murder Night, even the Dark Elves, even the most hardened ones, hide and lock their doors because the Witch Elves are running through the streets just grabbing everybody and killing anyone they find and taking them back for these rituals. Well, it's the Purge. It is. You got to... Yeah. You gotta have it. That all societies lead to the purge. We're just on the <laughs> precipice. Oh, it's brutal. It is bananas. Uh, let's see. Slaughter queens are the martial leaders of the war coven. So the hag queens have the cauldrons and have the the rituals and make the 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 witch brew which comes from the blood of killed slaughter queens. So let's talk about slaughter queens. Um, they're the ones out there with two swords, one the blade of Cain that strikes with blurring speed, and the death sword, which slices gaping clefts in flesh and armor with even the slightest stroke. Uh, no true Cainite can help but be inspired by the unrestrained butchery enacted by the slaughter queens. And they all learned the killing words of power, appellations of Cain that when shouted at the correct pitch can smite down an enemy or blunt an incoming spell. This again Avada reminds Kedavra. me well, this, this reminds me again of David Lynch's Dune. Remember when they had the weirding modules which they just made up weird crap because they couldn't translate in the 80s. They couldn't make Dune like the book. So they're like, oh, we got these things. And when we say certain words, they just kill stuff, you know? <laughs> My name is a killing word. I swear if I played this army every time the Slaughter Queen killed something, I would be like, Muad'Dib! Muad'Dib! <laughs> I'd have to say probably Chani or Chaney because you can't say Muad'Dib, he's a man. But other than that, you know. Oh. You know, earlier you mentioned that their battlefield is their temple. Even to the point where they bring their altars with them, and that is the Cauldron of Blood, that is their altar. I like so, that transition there. See, this is see. You could tell you got a show. You could you got that's a good transition. Liking that. Uh, no, go ahead. Keep going with the cauldron of blood. I'm just rambling on. Otherwise, I'll talk forever. So 
these cauldrons of blood, they're not just altars, but they're also chariots. They've got blades all over them. they got witch elves hanging off of them, just stabbing anything. Oh, you got too close. Sorry. They have lots of protections built in. The, these things are, are, are war machines. They're self-propelled, which I thought was cool. They're exactly. propelled by the incarnations of their riders. And here, as if the machine itself was lured onward by the promise of carnage. <laughs> Even their <laughs> altar just goes towards, it's called the cauldron of blood, and it goes towards the slaughter. <laughs> so great. God. Um, the hag queen, if there's a hag queen on it, she's got this giant cauldron burning the blood, which is now giving off blood vapor, which is making everyone around it insane. <laughs> I need to get one of these, and I'm going to put spinners on it, I swear to God. <laughs> like fidget spinners? No, like the spinning hubcaps from the early 2000s. Oh, you know, the my. Fires. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Oh, just totally Could trick it out. Spinners? It's all chrome and spinning. <laughs> I need one. You got to put want... shocks on it, though, then, so it can just pop up and down like a total lowrider, just coming in and out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm getting rid of the Beamer. I'm getting a Cauldron of Blood. That's this beautiful. Uh, they said that these things are gift of Cain himself for a reward for their dedication. And then again... At least, this is Marathi's claim, they're only created in the underhall of Kuruthu at the heart of the first temple. Knowledge of the dark sorcery, sorcery required to fashion these belongs to Marathi and her most trusted servants alone. Now, let's, uh, let's talk about Marathi skimming again. Remember, she <laughs> skims the extra souls, right? And she's always right. pulling. Then she goes, I'm going to get rid of the Varanite. She's skimming the Varanite, right? Cainites see it as a sign of their god's favor that the cauldrons never seem to overflow no matter how much blood is poured into them. They assume, well, they're all drinking it, so yeah, it's never going to overflow. They're gorging themselves on it. But as you're pouring it in and nobody's drinking, it goes right up to the top and then never overflows. Like when you watch those magicians who pour in a whole gallon of milk into one glass. <laughs> and they all assume Cain himself takes the surplus as an offering. Makes sense. What's actually happening? Um, these were made by Marathi, remember? Through Marathi's magics, those fluids flow back to Hagnar into the mother cauldron, the Mathkoar, or whatever it's called, where she absorbs and repurposes the blood's energies for her own nefarious gain. Because again, Marathi's skimming. Marathi's got her hands in every pie. She's like the worst type of gangsters in Goodfellas. She's getting a cut from everything. She gets kickbacks from her kickbacks. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some of these other characters here. So we got witch elves. Endlessly classic. Yeah. This is the iconic unit. This is the yeah, this when you picture Daughters of Cain, even though it's a giant the one of the snake people on the front, every single character in the background is a witch elf. Well, except for the giant uh, statue on the cauldron. Oh, by the way, which did we even mention about that thing? Oh, no, we did not. Oh, that's kind of important. Yeah, the iron statue of Cain on top of the ritual will literally come to life and start attacking stuff. Off he of probably there. gets bored. Yeah, 
It roars in anger in torrents of molten metal blood or swings its massive sword to hack down those who would dare close with the cauldron. Sometimes they get a life of their own and stride across the battlefield. So there's a giant statue of Cain on the cauldron, which will literally come to life and start attacking things if there's enough blood on the battlefield, which once again leads them all to believe that Cain's essence is in existence. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, and it makes sense. Although Cain, although here's the thing. Marathi keeps telling us all that she that he's dead. She knows he's dead. She's using his power and he's dead. But she lies constantly, and I'm wondering if they're just lying to us too. Like, why would I tell you? I don't, t- dude. She doesn't tell anybody that. Why would she tell us that? Uh, she thinks he's dead. She's, now she's skimming the fourth wall too. She skimming she the fourth else. wall. You know what? Because I know not to trust her, <laughs> and she tells me he's dead, and I don't trust her at all. But I'm like, okay, you're right. He's dead. Okay, I'll have a sandwich. Oh. <laughs> uh. So witch elves, jeez Louise. Okay, so they are constantly training. Their 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 training is basically religious ceremony. It's them training and and preparing for their true belief, which is getting onto the battlefield and immersing themselves in the holy rapture that bonds themselves to the murder god, which is killing. Um. I so their their form of prayer. Is like combat arms. Yeah. Like, that's how they pray. It's so cool. Um, now, a lot of times you see these models, and of course, my wife even saw these models, and she's like, of course they go into battle with no armor. You're going to have all these hot women fight. She's like, how come all these guys get armor and these women don't? And I was like, well, let's see. And I actually said, armor is considered an impediment to the art of slaughter. They wear enchanted braziers and pauldrons, but basically they're so fast and able to move that would slow them down. Plus, there are very few canites that would willingly eschew the sensation of hot gore spattering across their across their bare flesh. That's fantastic. I don't now, want to wear too much. Did you tell the wife that part? Yes. And what did she say? Nothing. She rolled her eyes and said, go back to your mandollies. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Yeah. But, you know, but, I mean, it's like, no, they, I mean... You know, they don't need a lot of heavy armor because they're not going to stand in one place and get take. They're not made to take a hit. They're made to move around and never get hit. They're going to hit you seven times before you've made your hit and walk away. Now, my wife does understand that because as she points out, oh, I remember that because who's everybody's favorite character in Street Fighter? Chun-Li. I don't have to be big and strong. I just have to be fast. I'm like, yep. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's, that's exactly it. I don't have to be covered in armor and slowly marching towards you. I just, you know, those guys need armor because they can't get out of the way. Witch elves, before you know it, they're already behind you and your head's falling off. Which, which, uh, witch elves, (laughs) that was, did you ever play uh, Age of Reckoning? I know of it, but I haven't played it. So it was like a World of Warcraft MMO. Right. That was set in uh, the old world. And the witch elf character was a complete assassin. And uh, she had stealth and poison and all that other good stuff. It, nothing has changed. It's, it's really the same thing. Age you turn reckoning. around and there's a witch elf there and you probably already have a knife in your gut. Exactly. Wait, was that the, was that the actual the Warhammer, the, the MMO? 
Yeah. Is that what it was? Oh, yeah. I did play that. I only played the dwarf, obviously. And I never oh. got past, like, the seventh mission because I'm terrible at those games. <laughs> it was a blast if you made it past that, but unfortunately the game just died. Oh, that was sad, too, because Cranky Lawyer, who is a friend of mine and was a good friend of the show, actually sent me the Fancy Pants edition with, the like, the goblet and all the extra junk that came with it, like the big box box. Did you get the uh, the character? Yeah, the the the, the orc, the orc with the mid- little one that sits on his shoulder. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What a great model! Oh, it was beautiful. I got the whole thing. It came with the comic book and all that stuff. Yeah. I got the whole nine yards, and I did play it. And the, the and as, as I was flipping through the characters, looking at him, and there's my wife, and that was when we had the conversation about how they don't need. I didn't, re- you know. They don't need armor because you'll never hit them. And she's looking at that, and she's like, oh, God, look at this one. Oh, there's her guys with all their armor. There's her half naked. I'm like, dude, she doesn't need armor. She's- don't Do not show her the Juan Diaz demonettes. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, old, that's old school, too, you know. I actually, we were talking about that. My wife and I we were talking about different models and different things we get and how, you know, the conversations about how certain certain people don't like certain models being certain ways. I'm not saying how they don't like the na- but they don't like. Ugh! They took all those. They used to have those beautiful naked ones, and now they're all clothed. And my wife's like, "Man, if you need toy soldiers to be naked, just that's if that's what you really need that in your life." She's like, "Really?" And she was just ah. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I hear you." But she. It's was, a target demographic, though. I mean. Uh, yeah, but still, she's you know. <laughs> that's sort of like, I mean, you become, you're, you're the Wallowitz out of that group, you know, like you're just, that's, uh, it's not, you know, cringe, cringy. Exactly. And honestly, and this, like I said, Jerry and I talked about this last episode with that Slanesh stuff, turning them into the androgynous half and half where they're half male, half female. So you've got the one side is the, the one side that's completely exposed, like a male half that really fits that whole Slanesh. I can be both and be anything. And it looks so interesting. They did a clever job with it without having to become, you know, not necessarily obscene. And I'm no prude, but, you know, my daughter is like 14. She likes to play this game, and that stuff would make her uncomfortable. And I don't want my daughter to be uncomfortable and not want to play the game with me. Of course, sure. now she plays ogres, and you want to talk about having having your uh, parts all hanging out looking gross. That's an ogre. Uh, but actually, it looks more like me, so... All right. <laughs> Sisters of Slaughter. Oh, okay. I've been waiting for this part. So good. Combat is everything. They fight in a completely exaggerated style, and it says here that they are a subcult considered extremists even by other canites. So all the stuff you've heard so far, these guys are considered too much. They're dialed up to 11. Yep. Um... They got the whips, known as the creep lash. Um, the, the the coil snaps out to sever limbs, lacerate eyes, puncture armor, flay the flesh beneath. Uh, this is yeah, and the Kraith are more likely to field the sisters of slaughter than any other sect. Of course they are. So the masks that they wear. I figured this is what you wanted to talk about. Go for it. So. They are demonic visages, of course, obviously. You you can see it when you look at them. These things are just like Malorian or Malekith's armor that was, where it's fused to them. 
Yeah, and what's interesting is that the actual it's now it's like a living armor because when they speak and stuff, it can move. It's like Destro when you'd watch the old cartoons. You're like, how does that metal face move? Just like this, magic and demon sorcery, and <laughs> it's. It, you know they're fanatics because they're literally going to give up their beauty for this because you're never going to see their face again. No. No, it's not coming off. And it's fused to their face. It says they scream. The screams go on for hours when they're fused to this thing because it's molten living metal until it cools when it's fused to your face. <laughs> that is so hardcore. It is. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm unbearable to live with if I get like one of like you know you get like a pimple right on the inside of your ear where it's like just right there where it's just kind of deep under the skin and it's like constantly irritating you. You can't wear your headphones. Like I'm unbearable if one of those I get one of those things. I haven't had that in years. I couldn't see putting molten metal to my whole face. Man, my first tattoo was on my neck. I'm not saying I'm the most hardcore guy out there. But even that makes me go, I don't think that that's a good idea. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> I would, I would, I, I, you know, I would be unpleasant to be around for a long time. <laughs> a little bit longer than a couple of hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're scary. I love them because they are. They're just, they are, that type of fanaticism is frightening. And that's what makes them so uh, alluring, right? Like, that's what's so cool about them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because the actual, it says the mask actually moves, like, when it's fused, there's an actual movement, and, it, and, and like, when blood gets near it, like, the jaw opens and the tongue part flicks out when there's blood <laughs> near it. And I'm like, on its own? <laughs> God. This is so cool. All right. So what else do we got? Oh, the blood rack. Okay. First of all, the blood rack Medusa. These are awesome. I did not realize how these things were made. Okay. Yes. So it's a high honor to become one of these. What happens is they take you to the Shadow Queen. Now, those who are worthy to become blood rack Medusa are brought to the Shadow Queen whose snake parts of her hair because she looks like a medusa she's got the snakes for hair all the snakes bite you a whole bunch which poisons you <laughs> and then you physically transform into a medusa <laughs> so your legs fuse together and turn into snake path and your hair and your skin merge into you have a painful physical transformation but you are imbued with some of the venom of the shadow queen so a part of her is in you so you have a bit of her power which is cool also well, yeah because taking even a fraction of a god or goddess's power yeah i mean you're drawing from an infinite well the shadow queen she said it she can warp and change the uh, the realms to what she wants now you're taking a bit of that power and putting it into another body. Yep. Insane. Which, oh, by the way, what other creatures in this game uh, make minions that are basically a part of their own essence, part of themselves? I don't know what. Chaos gods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's making them in her own image. 
That sounds oh, like my. that sounds a little slaneshy to me. I'm not <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. And I know, and I know, my analogy isn't perfect. You don't need to email me and tell me why I'm wrong. I'm just saying. Uh, let's see. Any who meet a Medusa's gaze find their body exsanguinated in a welter of gore. So they don't turn you to stone, but she can yeah. stare at you and make your body explode, like you got shot with yeah. a bolter. Like, uh, like that movie Scanners. Yeah, oh, I love it. <laughs> now, what's also interesting is you might be a rising champion of the sect to be chosen for this honor. But also, if you happen to be openly nasty or openly, uh, you're very powerful and you maybe talk a little crap about Marathi's plans. Maybe she doesn't want to kill you because you're worth something, but you can't have dissent. So she'll make you one of these because once you're bitten and get her essence, you are bonded to her. You can no longer fight against her you no longer have the will to oppose her so this is not only a way to reward her faithful but it's a way to get the strong ones among her whom she needs to put in their place to bond them to her so that they can't stand against her so punish the usurpers and exalt the champions Punish the usurpers who are who uh, can prove valuable. Because most of the time, sure. you just send out the assassins. That's that whole. <laughs> right. cause, yeah, remember uh, the thing I don't like about Marathi is, you know that. <laughs> and then you got the blood rack shrines, and uh, as formidable as it is in close combat, because this one also rolls around of its own power, and of it has them on it, and the Medusa's on top. Slashing people from way on high and then staring at you and making your blood explode. Um, it's also got the mirror. Which how how deviously jacked up is that? We know that the stare will melt you. Uh -huh. So let's put a big ass mirror that way in case you see her reflection in the mirror, <laughs> you still get exploded. Yeah. And it also has an agonizing aura, a shadowy projection of the scathing hatred harbored by this creature. So it reflects not only her image, but the aura of her menace. <laughs> I love this army. This is such a... Everything in this is just angry. <laughs> like I said, this is the angriest book in this game. Everything is about, I just have to kill everything I see. It's just an urge. And it's not like orcs who are like, let's smash them, boys. Or ogres who are like, let's eat. This is just like, kill for the love of killing. It puts corn books to shame. Yeah. I mean, corn, I mean, it. you know, it's blood for the blood god. And I need to kill because I'm all angry and I need blood and I need skulls. But they don't need blood and skulls. They're doing they killed just to kill. Yeah, because this just proves to their god how wonderful they are. You know, it's like all of Korn's minions, like it even says, if they don't keep killing, they get in pain because Korn demands more, and if you don't give him what he wants, he punishes you. And, of course, Korn demons are just a portion of Korn's essence. What are they going to do? Kill. They, they, it's, 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 they, it's, those guys don't have choices. Right. These guys, it's their religion. 
they choose well, they get, to like, be some this sort of weird ecstasy from it. Oh yeah. So it's not about avoiding pain. It's about feeling great from doing it. Right. It, it <laughs> it's uh, it's almost like it kind of almost reminds me. It's not even. I was going to say it's almost like pre-heresy Angron, but that's also avoiding pain too. Because if they don't kill, it starts to drive them nuts. Right. Although they feel good when they kill because of the the whatever that stuff is that's hooked into their heads. Yeah. But it's also there's there's it, it's not like they're in pain when they're not killing. It's just that they're happiest when they are. All right, the iron scales. Here's the Melisai iron scales. The elite war leaders, the most dangerous of the scathe born to slither from the depths of Maithkor. Or whatever it's called. I don't know how to pronounce this stuff. I'm not even pretending. I wish somebody else. I would. I almost. I. It's like I wish I knew somebody at Games Workshop, like who knew the exact pronunciation of this stuff, because those are the people. Like I would want to okay, look. I'm going to do the book review. Could you please just pronounce all these things for me so I don't sound like an idiot? Because I say Nagash half actually, the time. They don't get into pronunciation disputes. Oh, and I know how they don't. you say it is good enough. And that's fine and good. But whoever wrote it, I'd like to hear how you say it. Because I'll just go with the author. You can say it all you want. It's like people who say Sylvaneth. You know that ain't it. I've heard everybody on those videos say Sylvaneth. Right. And nobody's going to tell you not to say Sylvaneth because nobody wants to embarrass anybody. But it ain't. <laughs> all right. So let's see. The souls used in the creation of the iron scales. Okay. You know, here's part of it. So she, the souls she used for these, and this is interesting. I found this actually truly interesting. Um, you know, she gets a lot of broken, twisted, hurt souls, and she used those to make whatever. The ones who retained a bit of their mind still, the, the ones who weren't completely broken, the ones who retained a bit of their mind became the iron scales because they didn't retain their mind because they're mentally more powerful. They retained their mind because they hated Slanesh so much for what he was doing to them. They just never let go. Like they never <laughs> succumbed to insanity from the pain and the torture because they were so ticked that they were being tortured that it wouldn't break them because they were just wading through the pain to get him back. This is like, you know what this is? These are the Mel Gibsons. <laughs> okay? This is the Mel Gibson from Braveheart who just, they're gutting him and he's like, freedom! Or the Mel Gibson from my personal favorite from Payback. When they're, Payback, hammer baby. When they're hammering yes. his toes and he's just not telling them what they want to know and you're just like, Watching him get tortured, and he's like, "Nope, you, nope, torture me." These are the Mel Gibson being tortured, uh, or uh, Mel Gibson being tortured in Lethal Weapon, where they're sitting him under the water and with the battery stuff hooked up and, and electrocuting him, and he's just like, "Nope, nope." That's these guys, and Marathi used them and made them these, the you know the the Scathborn, the the snake killing machines. And they're like her personal guard because they hate Slanesh more than just about anyone, except maybe the people in that one city who everyone else is like, wow, the Keltnar. Yeah, yeah. And they're her like personal bodyguard and stuff because, you know, as much as body. I love how gods like have bodyguards. Like, you know what? Seriously. I mean, I guess that's just because they don't need to get their hands dirty because like who's really attacking Marathi and being like, you know. All right, you're toast. You're toast now. Like you know, <laughs> I don't have time for this. You guys kill them. 
Um, yeah, and they've been threaded with arcane wards that allow them to resist the magical energies regularly in that other things regularly encounter. Because, oh, this is also, you know, when, uh, when the Soul Wars went through and all of a sudden all of Sigmar's hidden stuff, you know, Sigmar, Sigmar the, uh, the liar pants, who, who took, uh, took tech, <laughs> he took all the tech, listen, look, this is to, to, to gather knowledge. Okay, let's reverse engineer this and make it to hide knowledge. <laughs> oh, nice, Sigmar. You just pissed off techless. That was smart. Um, so after this, after all that stuff got opened up, so these guys are all imbued to resist magic. So all of those magical barriers he put in, they could find their way through if they're looking for artifacts for her. Um, what's really cool, though, is she imbued them with the ability to resist magical energies, but she's ensured that her own sorceries are not so easy to turn aside. There's no profit in unnecessary risk, after all. Because you always got to work an angle and skim. <laughs> Listen, you are you are completely resistant to most magics, not mine, because that's not how this game works. But everybody else's, you're good. She's you're the good. worst. What else we got here? Oh my god, I'm having so much fun with this. I'm sorry. So, their their stabs are. Bad A, man. Oh. When the correct words of power are spoken, the the vipers on them lunge forward, distend their jaws, and bury their sharp fangs deep into an enemy's chest, tearing out their heart in a single motion. That's fast. <laughs> oh, and, and, and keep going with that because there's, there's more to it than that. Keep reading. By holding this glory gory offering aloft in supplication to Cain, the iron scales can tap into ancient blood sorcery, driving their scathe-born kin into violent frenzy that can collapse an entire battle line in a few gore-soaked minutes. See, I was looking at the picture, and I'm like, why is the end of it all painted green? I'm like, everything is gold and brass. I'm like, it, it just looked kind of silly to me. I'm like, I wouldn't color that green. Like, nobody's going to buy that those are real snakes. It's like, oh, wait, they are real snakes. They are real snakes. Except they're they they're are. they're frozen in place, like when Thulsa Doom uses them for for arrows in Conan. But say the right word, and then they attack, and they'll rip your heart out. <laughs> and then I'll hold it up and scream a bunch of words of power. You know, once again, Muad'Dib, and everybody loses their minds. This is wonderful. They, this is and so then they good. crystallize the hearts. Yeah, just of because. Course. Because. Because you have to. All right, so let's get to the two, the two, uh, the two versions, the two flavors of Melusai. Uh, these were the souls devoured by Slanesh. These are the first ones she made. Okay, these were the souls mixed with shadow magic and her own blood, reshaped in her image. So they're not just. So Teclis takes all these souls and he's just trying to make good old-fashioned regular high elves. She's like, you know what? I think I'm going to mix them up with a bunch of this shadow magic. And uh, you know what? For a good portion, I think I'm just going to open a vein and pour some of that in there. Let's bound them right to me. You know, because of course. She reminds me of Julia Child. She's like, today we're going to take some snake and we're going to add a little bit of hatred and some shadow and some magic. Then it's going to come out delicious. Bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So she claims that they are the heralds of a new age, proof positive of her reincarnation as the murder god. Of course they are. Look, I create them and they look just like me because they're so they this look, this is the way eventually. Look, you know what? I think in the future, everybody's going to be snake people. It's it's hot right now. It is. You know, I think that it's terribly comfortable. You can slither very quickly. This is the way everybody's going to be wearing this or masks. It's so hot right now. I'm not certain it's going to happen, though. And here's a keyboard tie. <laughs> Listen, it's this or those really tall pointy hats that the that they used to wear. And the pointy hats, look, I thought pointy hats were going to take off. They didn't. Snake people, this is the thing. <laughs> oh, God. And I love that they're always teasing new stuff because it's rumored that there may be additional forms, but two are the ones regularly seen. So we know about Blood Sisters and Blood Stalkers, but there may be other ones out there we haven't seen yet because you never know. We might release another book in like six months and come out with a second wave of these this army, but I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So they'll, they'll have the snake upper half and then lady lower legs. <laughs> just <laughs> Two legs running around with a big snake head. <laughs> oh, that's the dumbest thing ever. That would be wonderful. Would it just be the legs or would it come just be a, is it the whole body with just a snake head? So it's like the whole body and then just like, the, but it'll have the thing that can open and spread to the side, like the really fancy snakes that, oh, this, what, is it, what do you call that? The cowl or whatever. King, that, King Cobras. With yeah. Their, yeah. Oh, that's so ridiculous. And Cobra Commander sitting there just going, yes. Yes, Serpentor. <laughs> Cobra la 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 la. And if you got that reference, you're old. I'm telling everybody right now, if you got the Cobra la reference, you're freaking old. Your friend Jay, who you got me hooked up with, who got the terror drone from me, he got the reference. Make him listen to this episode. He might be the only one. <laughs> oh my god okay uh, so there's there's a couple different kinds of uh melisite get me back on track because i'm way out here now i'm tired i'm old it's 11 o'clock i'm almost 50 i need to go to bed all right blood sisters tell us about these guys so the blood sisters they're the bodyguards for the high priestesses and they escort the blood rack medusa okay they uh they're just there with their glaives, and they're the close combat. You get too close to them, that's when stuff starts to go wrong. They uh, <laughs> they wear they're the layered masks. with illusionary enchantments that allow the wearer to take the form of a normal elf should the occasion require it, which goes back to the sleeper cells that we were talking about earlier. Right. You could be talking to somebody not knowing that it's a melisai. It's just a normal looking elf. Sure. Absolutely. And this and these are the ones who will stab you and turn you into crystal. This is the stuff it's like, oh god, okay. I wrote wonderfully cruel stuff here. So they can transform their victim into an unmoving crystal statue that is still horrifically aware of its own metamorphosis. They talked about that. 
The undercrofts of Hagnar are filled with these living monuments, and the brood nests of the Melissi are likewise lined with unfortunate victims. The walls of Marathi's own inner sanctum are carved from the crystallized corpses of hundreds of former rivals and enemies, their horrified faces twisted into expressions of indescribable agony, never failing to amuse the goddess. Of course not. Now you read this and you're like, this is wonderfully cruel. And then I read this, I'm like, but this just goes beyond the pale. For a blood sister, the ultimate cruelty, thrust the glaive quickly through, quickly enough to slice out a beating heart while transmuting them into living crystal. To be trapped forever in a state of unbearable pain is but a small sample of the torment they themselves have endured. This is wonderful. That is. And it sounds like it sounds like a cooking recipe. (laughs) Insert knife. Remove heart. Quickly. Serve on platter. Exactly. That's so good. That is seriously, that is Nagash levels of petty and cruel. Because they're going to be stuck like that in that. Picture the pain. Now, I can't even imagine the pain of just having my heart ripped out so quickly that I'm not dead yet. (laughs) I haven't had the time to die, but my heart has been ripped out. The blood is still going to my brain, so I'm still aware, and then I'm frozen in that moment forever. Kalima. <laughs> oh. And then we've got the blood stalkers. And they're the ones that don't have the fancy mask. They have the bows and arrows. And they're enchanted bows and enchanted arrows. They are, That's twice enchanted. Uh, exactly. A weapon <laughs> carved from the wood of the sentient ash dusk tree. So even their we- okay, they got to cut up a sentient tree to make their bows. You know what? Because cutting up humans and freezing them, we're going to cut up sentient trees. Let's, let's torture the trees. Uh, you know, it's just, and they're enchanted. So everything works super well. Uh, they, and, uh, I do like that they, they, they basically talk during battle. They talk through hand signals and through some, uh, empathic messages. Yeah. Because they're these, they're the stalkers. They're the silent killers. They sneak up on you. They don't have to talk to each other to organize their attack. It's basically... Next thing you know, you're dead. Well, they all come from the same nest, so they're all bonded. Yeah, that's cool, too. They co- Yeah, exactly. I forgot about that. Also, As they use... that wasn't bad enough, they also have pets. <laughs> Bloodworms. And I'm like, Bloodworms? Yes, winged serpents. So... And it's W-Y-R-M, which at first I thought worms crawling on the ground, and then it's, oh, W-Y-R-M, like baby dragon is the worm. Baby dragons, that's right. Little winged serpents. that can and I, Okay, and here's one of those things where GW always tells you that thing that you're like, oh, come on now. Like the guys who, uh, with one perfect stroke, I can sever, a, you know, through a mountain. These things can sniff out a single drop of blood from 100 leagues away. Okay, I'm just saying. If you can sniff one drop of blood from 100 leagues away, that's got to become, unless you're that sensitive to that particular character's blood, there's got to be a lot of other things within 100 leagues that you could sniff out. There can't, I mean, that's got to be confusing. But, of course. It's kind of like a a shark, though, right? Like sharks. Yeah. Or is that a myth? 
Is that is that real or is that a myth? Dude, I don't know. And you know what? I don't ever want to find out. I'm not a sharkologist here. <laughs> me neither. And you know what? If they can, that's just more reasons for me not to go near the water. God, I'm terrified of the ocean. Anyway, uh, that's yeah. off the rails. Uh, let's see. Of all the canine sects, it's the Kaelbron who most revere the Bloodstalkers, seeing them as the perfect form of unseen slayer. Oh, that's right, because they're the assassins. Right. And these things pop out of nowhere and kill you. Uh, this is so Disguised good. Disguised Melisai walk amongst the sects, nor- nomadic troops of blood dancers. Yep. More illusions, more hiding, more subterfuge. Okay. So here we are. We're close to wrapping it up. We've only got a couple of things left. Uh, the Doomfire Warlocks, which are the males. They're uh, the only males that are trusted to become part of the, the battle. And, you know? and I think trusted is a stretch. Because it says, if you read this up close, they're gaunt and pallid, their black eyes haunted and lacking any emotions save spite. Emblazoned on their brows are hateful runes that cause them great pain but are vital in keeping them alive. Or are they? Because (laughs) uh, only the weakest and most broken souls retrieved from Slanesh were used to create male elves. So I'm assuming that Marathi can choose when she's creating them whether she makes them male or female. So she takes that's, the most. That's some weird reincarnation, slaneshi, androgynous stuff. Exactly right. So uh, those birthed to Covenite sisters in the conventional fashion are likewise affic- afflicted with a, a weakness of body and spirit. This is not a coincidence, because this is just evil and more of her skimming. She basically put a. Uh, a curse down there that would touch all sons born of the daughters of Cain, allowing her to siphon off a portion of their soul stuff to add to her growing font of power stored in Mathquar. So the reason that the natural born ones are weak is because she's stole, she's torn a part of their soul away from them. And, (laughs) And she's skimming the souls off the males. And to ensure the faith of these, because she still uh, she's leery of power, she has not granted. Plus, wasn't there some weird thing? Wasn't there some weird? I remember reading something about there was some sort of prophecy or something that it was a, a male-born elf who was gonna gonna she, cause her issues, and so she doesn't trust any strong male elves. I could have sworn I read that somewhere. Not in this book, but at some point somewhere. There's a reason why she did. I thought it might have been in the old book when they first introduced Doomfire Warlocks in the old, like, back in the world that was. Right. Right. Oh, man. Doomfire Warlocks were great back then, but I don't remember their exact storyline on how they were created and stuff. But to ensure their faith, each is branded with a runes of control. Though they're told they're wards against soul thievery. So this thing hurts them because it's forcing them under her control. But she's telling them it's to keep Slanesh from eating their souls. When in actuality, she's already eaten a a tithe from these guys. (laughs) The worst. So smart. But, you know, it's okay because they do get together after each battle. And then they have the, the doom fire feast where they all get to have lunch together uh, and then you got the shadow stalkers now are, are some of the shadow stalkers male i was looking at the models and it looked like some of them might be 
But then I was like, it doesn't seem like some job she would give. Like, would she trust them? Because the Shadow Stalkers, these are the guys where the shade mark, a, wo- a brand woven from Olgan Sorcy that grants extraordinary super ab- supernatural abilities, yet lashes the soul eternally to Morathi's service. So you could have it be a male. Because he's yeah. unable to do anything against her. Um, these guys can go through the umbral web. These guys can walk through the, the webway. Which makes it really cool because they can sort of pull a nightcrawler from X-Men. They can just sort of bamf into one shadow and out of another. <laughs> oh, God, when you leave, it smells like a rotten egg in a leather shoe. <laughs> So for you guys at home that pick up this book, um, there's a sidebar about the umbral web on page 38. We're not going to go into it, but I really want you guys to read it. Uh, it's really important for kind of like the background story of travel. Yeah, and it's it's but, really uh, cool. I want to leave that little spoiler. But yeah, the Shadow Stalkers are fantastic, and this is one of the cool things about them is their ability to move through this this. It's 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 a pathway through the realms of shadows into all the other realms, but it's dangerous and there's crap in there that might kill you. It's really yeah. Well, oh. sorry, Marathi doesn't care. No, of course she doesn't. Just just go ahead. But go. it even it's says fine. that Mar- even even Marathi and Malarian can't walk through there indefinitely. It's dangerous and it gets treacherous, and even they have to they can't just stay there. Which is crazy because they're gods of shadow. Yeah. But that's, even... that's why he's sending these guys through, because if they die, let's, yeah, come on now. So right. the Harpies, how do you pronounce this? I think it's a, a Canary? Yeah, Canary. Or is it Canary? Canary? That could, it could be Canary. Yeah, canary. they do like those play on words. Yeah, they do, with like, you know, itsy bitsy and tic-tac-toe and all that crazy nonsense they used to pull. Ogor. So, oh, yeah, it could be Canary. I'll say Canary. All right, canary it is. <laughs> canary, canary, whatever. Um, so these are the harpies, and ugh, talk about getting much better models for the harpies. Remember the old harpies? <laughs> yeah, they just didn't look cool, but they also looked like—I mean—they were like monsters. These are these are witch elves with wings, and they're—they look amazing. They do. These are. Awesome. Such well-designed models. It's, yeah. And they either have uh, javelins or these sickle blades. Uh, The javelins are fantastic. Basically, they come flying down at you as fast as they can, and then they just stop and fling their javelin at you with all the speed of their throw, plus at the rate they've been dropping out of the sky. Um, And it's, of course, it's super... It's strong enough to pierce your armor and you and your horse and pit, nail you t- right to the ground. So well, that goes without saying. Of course it does because <laughs> nothing, no, it's nothing in this world only goes through just deep enough. It's always got to go through you and the school behind you and the seven kids in the school and then the church behind there and the poor nun. Like nobody's safe, you know. <laughs> And, and then, of course, they throw the javelin, and then as they fly up and get ready to fight again, they just sort of make a fist, and then a shadow javelin forms in their hand, because of course they do, because you can't ever explain. 
You know, just like <laughs> we can't have ammo in this game, sir. Oh, that's my daughter watched the Lord of the Rings. She's eighteen. She's watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. She watches. I, we went. Uh, they had it in IMAX on the 4K a few weeks ago, and so she wanted. She'd never watched it. Like, we're like, let's go. We go to the theater to watch it, and she's like, "Does Legolas ever run out of arrows?" I'm like, "No." And she's like, "What? Ha- how did you not run out of arrows?" I'm like, "You watched all the Marvel movies. You've never once complained about Hawkeye. Now you're asking about Legolas." I'm like, "When the battle's over, he goes and picks his arrows back." She's like, "No, come on now." I'm like, "That's what happens." The city's flying. We're fighting an army of robots, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. It doesn't have to, but <laughs> of course they materialize. Just like uh, the, just like the. Um, the the flying stormcast. It's like, oh, I have a bow, and every time I pull it back, an arrow just appears there. Shocker. So the life takers are really cool though with oh, their yeah. sickles. Um, again, it's the shadow stuff, just like the other uh, the daggers from the other chicks. Priceless shadow metal. Ooh. Yeah. And yeah. they can slice open throats and remove heads with a single blow. Well, I, if you remove the heads, it's sliced open the throats. I mean, that's just how that works. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine too many scenarios where that doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And basically, they come flying in from all angles above you. It's hard to get a bead on them. And then once you think you're ready to fight, they just fly back up out of your range of you hitting them. Yep. And also, their uh, their shields are also weapons, too. Oh, the, the, a couple of these guys have these shields with these all these weird angles, so they'll sit and block your weapon and twist, and then in that twist, the sharp edges are going to come and pierce some portion of your body. Yeah. Oh, so good. Because the best offense is a good defense. <laughs> and their defense <laughs> provides them some offense. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's so cool. I just... I, oh, and that's that's everything. We've literally gone through... Everything and it's been what almost three out a little over two and a half hours. Um, and what's crazy is we still haven't even touched on everything. We 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 skimmed just like Marathi a lot of stuff. <laughs> yep, ten percent of it we skipped over so that you guys would still be reading some of this stuff. This is just brilliant. This is so. I mean, if this doesn't make you excited to play this army, I don't know what will. We haven't even gotten to the cool rules, which, by the way. Yeah, I mean, granted, you got mostly a five-up save, and there's not a lot of armor in this army. Obviously, they're running around half-naked. But boy, oh boy, you don't need it when no one can hit you and you never miss when you attack. It's just stupid. It's so cool. So I'm super excited, but we do have to we do have to sort of wrap this part up. Um, yep. Now, Jay, you're going to come back uh, for the next episode, for episode 261, where we talk war. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. And then uh, we need to get you on the YouTube show somehow. I don't know how to do the logistics for that yet, but it'll happen uh, eventually as well. Absolutely. If there's some way I can, if I can video in somehow, you know, put me on the screen behind you. I'll just sit there. We can't do it here because you'll see this mess of my house. I'll have to move the computer so I just have something behind me. Maybe I'll buy one of those little green screen things you hook up to your chair so I could be like a Twitch TV person. You know, I just got one of those for the uh, for the girlfriend. For, oh yeah, uh, yeah, she's a streamer too. So cool. We have a streamer house going. I'm in the studio right now. She's down in the office. Nice. I'm just down here in yep. the crypt, screwing around. The so crypt. 
All right. So uh, once again, Jay, thanks so much for coming on and talking about all this stuff with me. Um, it was so nice to have you on, and I will. We'll, we're going to be back recording in about a week, and then get that one out hopefully on time. Um, at least within a day or two of the twenty fifth. Sorry, this one's late, guys. But like I said, we've been. I know this is going to be late because we've been yapping, and I got to edit all this still together and stuff like that. But um, this has been so much. And then our also our own scheduling conflicts. You and I both. We have a well, we full both, pot. Yeah, <laughs> we both have shows. We're both trying to to, to juggle this. But um, man, this is this is fun. This makes me want to play, or at least buy the models and paint them, and then say I'm going to play and then never play because that's basically what I do. I read and I build models and I and I paint some of them, and then I fantasize having games with them in my head. Use them contrast paints, boy. Oh, <laughs> so good! So good. My six thousand right, almost friends. points of, uh, of night haunt, almost all contrast paint, contrast and a few metals. Oh man! All right, buddy. All right, well, so folks, uh, before we do go, I do want to thank the sponsors one last time: Chaos Orc Superstore, Six Squared Studios, and Grognard Games, where there's always something happening at Grognards. Grognards uh, is amazing. I yeah. see all your pictures. I'm jealous that I'm not closer. Uh, well, and don't forget, if there's something you can't find, they do ship. They have a web store, and they ship to the lower 48. Free shipping with orders over $100, which, as you know, when you're a gamer, that's easy to hit. So, all right. Uh, other than that, I do want to thank, once again, our Patreon patrons who make this episode and every episode possible. That's our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake. Our executive producers, Colin Miller and Alex Graham. And our newest patron, the master from Wisconsin, Jason Tick. Jason, thank you for joining us. And thank all of you for being part of the 1% who make this possible. You um, guys are- Yeah. You're the best. All right, Jay, I will talk to you soon, uh, with about a week. Uh, everybody else, um, hope you're enjoying this and hope you're back uh, next episode for the war episode where we will do a kind of a deep dive into the Daughters of Cain and talk a bunch of lists from the different cities and stuff like that. And so until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant, only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure. <laughs>